All right. Well, we don't have any fancy intro music, but we do have Derek and Harris for the first episode of Virtual Courtside. Do you want to sing for us? Did it? Did it? That's that's copyrighted. Yeah. Is that TNT? ESPN? Yeah. See, we make our own. No. Yeah. I'm happy that we finally. Well, it's all started. We were going to do an Arsenal cast, but now we're midway through the Premier League season. So we said. Guess what? Mm-hmm. There's no people always complain about no 2K League content specifically, yes. no post or well, pre-draft content at the time. Any content. Um, at all. So I thought that you know us putting our brains together, kind of been talking about doing this for years, Long honestly, time. and now it just feels like the time is right, especially heading into what feels like it's probably the biggest season that we've ever had in the NBA oh, 2K sure. League with the Players Association deal. Um, you know, the structure, some of the prospects, the the draft not having nearly as many spots as it has in, in years prior to. Mm-hmm. So time is right. Yeah, time is right. Uh, if you guys didn't catch the name, uh, this is Virtual Courtside with Dirk and Harris. Uh, we spent a lot of time figuring out the name and a logo, as you guys will see. Uh, haven't gotten the logo quite yet, but eventually okay. we will. <laughs> we'll get there. I promise. Um, but yeah, so today will be our first episode. We're going to do a little pre-draft preview. Uh, we're going to go team by team. Kind of talk about where everybody's at. We're going to go through the draft order, and then we'll talk about the teams that already have their full rosters. So we'll do a pre-draft podcast, and then we'll do a post-draft podcast. Uh, and then obviously, throughout the season, we'll probably be doing this once, twice a week, depending on how lazy we're feeling. I think, yeah, it probably depends like the magnitude of certain things that happen. Yeah. Uh, our league, there's a lot of moving pieces where one day can be completely different from the next, especially, yeah. I think we were talking trades, yes. as this uh, this postseason has really started to show with all the players being swapped picks being moved around Mm -hmm. so i do not expect that to die down i don't know when the trade window. you're the trade window guy i don't know when everything shuts down (laughs) but i I know that there's no trade window now the trade won't open up tomorrow for the draft like right when the draft starts the trade window opens up yeah so So, uh, yeah yeah, you know we we could say once a week it'll be a lot of podcasts like this when we're in person just doing it out of hotel yes so that'll be the vibe all right let's get things underway so let's start with the two big pieces of news uh, let, let's. I don't want. I don't want to minimize the news, but let, let's start with uh, the news about the retirement. Lord Bezos, he's officially retired. Uh, been in the league since as long as I've been in the league. He's been in the league since season two. Member of Pacers Gaming, member of Jazz Gaming, member of Dukes and Benitos, member of the three v three champion Dukes and Benitos team. Uh, was a major part of those Jazz Gaming teams with Splash and Rhea. Mm-hmm. Got to a finals. Uh, fell to the buzzsaw that was the season four Wiz. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot on stream about like. Guys who aren't stars, but dudes who are just, like, good 2K players. And they just stick around for a while because they're just good. They're not, like, top five at their position, top ten all the time. But, like, good players matter. And Lord Beezus was always a good player. Always fun to watch on stage. Always good vibes. And now a a proper send-off the day before the draft. Yeah, there's some players who, at certain positions, were ahead of their time, right? Because when Beezus came in and if he was had to play power forwards when he was there that's when Raymo was on his little post scoring mm-hmm. hop shot build uh, but in terms from a defensive standpoint i always say this is where the xbox genes kick in of people always saying <laughs> xbox <laughs> like ro- xbox swing and xbox <laughs> rotations playstation sweatpants so like that's where for for him i, I think that one when you are as good a player as he is not even just in the the game of pro am or at the league level but also like in my team just an yep. overall good 2k player uh, I think the maturity aspect, I think, is something that really kept him around. Probably he was really, an adult. Yeah, yeah, like really good for GMs to have that. And I think the way that he went out, obviously winning that 3v3 championship, the 5v5, a, a little rough for Dukes Infinitos. But it honestly, I mean, is a shock to me just because he was involved in the trade earlier in the in this, the the 
off season. I yeah. don't know why I wasn't being able to find my words there. So that's why for me, and especially obviously they've probably known about it for a while, yeah, but yeah. the, well, the announcement coming the day before the draft leaves a lot of people like, damn, it was, right? it was a retirement trade. Like he got traded there so he could retire yeah. as a member of jazz gaming. I, I think they traded charger for him. Yeah, it was, I yeah. think it was charging a pick. I'm not sure. I saw the graphic early, but it was really sad. I saw Rhea post a picture and it had everybody from that jazz gaming team splash oh. compete. And there's not a single person because Josh Barney, the guy who used to run the oh, operations yeah. isn't he's even a part too. of it. Yeah, so everybody in that picture is no longer with Jazz Game. Or honestly, I don't team. even think in the league anymore. No, they're they're all gone. It was yeah. Splash, the Twins. Who's the lock? Lottie. Lottie, that's right. Yeah, Lottie. And then, of course, Beezus. I, I remember Beezus the most from uh, just, honestly, that season four run. You mentioned ahead of his time, like, power forwards were not really taken seriously for a long time in this league. No. And I feel like he was one of the first guys where a coach or GM went to him and said, Hey, we need you to like, to really be like a pillar of our defense. Mm -hmm. Like we need you to like, really like stand down there, get in the lanes, get steals, start the break. And I just remember their whole run to the finals being Rhea and Beezus getting stops, kicking it out to splash transition threes. And that like, mm -hmm. they ran the table during that season four playoffs when we were in person. And then I remember just how emotional that whole team was when they mm. made the finals. They seemed like a really close group. I remember JT is telling us some really crazy stories about that season four jazz team too. So yeah, it's just, Bees was a great player, uh, a proper send off. We'll see, maybe, maybe coaching in his future. Well, that's what, the, anytime a guy who is retained retires, yeah. it is always strange because you're like, you're, like, mm. you're, you're guaranteed to at least be a part of the 3v3 year before the ad drop period comes around. Right. But you're almost guaranteed that full contract and chance to earn those winnings. So I feel like when you are somebody in his position, I don't know what teams are still actively looking for coaches. I know yeah. there's a lot of hires recently. Yeah. There's got to be something in his future. I know that he wanted to jump on the broadcast sometimes with us too. Yeah, so did. maybe this year we get some more Lord Beezus appearances. You know, it's interesting. Now that you mentioned that, he could have stayed on the broadcast or he could have stayed on the team through threes and then left in the middle of the season through like wave ad. Yep. What that probably means is that they're going to draft somebody to play threes. Because that means that, you know, you would just assume that Rhea would play threes. But yeah. if they're letting him go beforehand, I don't know, maybe there's some rule against, like, retiring midseason. I don't know how that works. But that is, it, it's just, it's very interesting timing. It's very 2K comp games kind of timing. Just throwing people off the board, waiting for the day before the draft. Nobody hey, knows we need I, a power I did the, Classic the, comp. I did the little interview with him at the combine, and then it got memed by Ballsack Sports. Really? You said, yeah, you didn't see it? I didn't, know. I, I interviewed him and said, what are you looking for out of the prospects? And he goes, intangibles, the first thing that he <laughs> says. And I, I like start, I go through, scrolling through my timeline, and I'm like, man, what's all this commotion with this clip? And yeah, it was Ballsack Sports saying, what kind of intangibles do you need to play the game of NBA 2K? I was like, yes, we made it to Ballsack. <laughs> we finally made it. We've leveled up. We've officially leveled up our game this offseason. We went from ESPN 2 to Ballsack Sports. <laughs> we've done it. We've made it. Um, well, speaking of coaching, that leads us into our second big news of the pre-draft day, of the final day of pre-draft. Uh, Ramo, uh, former Pistons GT, all-time great uh, 3v3 champion, got a big opportunity to be the T-Wolves Gaming head coach, taking over for Nick Gartrell. Um, lasted a month. Uh, they have parted ways with him uh, a day before the draft. A, a shock. I mean, I had heard some rumblings about this a couple days ago. I was like, there's no way, right? There's no way that they're going to get rid of Ramo a day before the draft. And... When we get the drop today at around three o'clock, big surprise. Um, to be honest, you know, I feel for him, obviously. Um, you know, I know that he really wanted to be a coach, but this might sound a bit strange. The first place that my brain went to was if you were a prospect that was like really planning on playing for T Wolves Gaming, 
Like, Raymond was probably a big part of that. Like, getting to play for him? Like, does that change your perspective at all? Like, if you're a prospect, are you like, oh, I, oh God. I don't think I don't think he has that aura about him to know so? at the really? co- I don't I, I I think it's a lot of the guys, right, those season one elite class, right? When you're talking yeah. about the Ramos, the hot shots, I feel like nobody sits there, right? Especially when you're when you're talking T Wolves gaming, you want to play with Bear to Beast. Yeah. You don't like you're not going there to be like, oh man, I, I want to go play under Justin Butler. I want to go play under Ramos, coach. Right. You want to play with Bear? Sure. There's maybe a different team, right? You're like, That's yeah, fair, I wanted yeah. to go there to where Ramos wanted to play. It's somewhere in the middle, right? I feel like at one time you probably want to play for Ramos, but in the second way, you're like, I guess it is just a coach at the end of the day. But it's it's a big deal. Just I mean. From a organizational standpoint, right, they were looking to kind of come into this year fresh look, right? Kai's gone, Slaughter's gone, Shifty's gone, Nick's gone, Clampism not brought back. You know, they're all gone. It's just Bear and Sub, who somehow <laughs> ended up in the cab. I always forget that he's on the team. Not like a disrespectful way, but like they've turned over so much, it's kind of hard to forget who's on the team. But like, I feel like they were really hoping to get some organizational structure in from this year and avoid this being kind of a bridge year almost, but... I almost wonder if that's an unavoidable part of this season for them now. Like, I don't know what their plans are at coach now. I mean, the coaching market very much is kind of clearing up. There are some guys who I'd recommend for the position, but at the same time, I don't know if there's anybody out there who's going to give you the same impact that Ramo was probably going to give you this year. I feel like they're probably just going to be like, all right, we'll find somebody, we'll get through 3v3, and then maybe we'll find a coach for fives. Yeah, it was going to be interesting uh, because I think when you have played like this is the one benefit right in terms of players want to go play for somebody just speaking for for Ramo himself you know the knowledge of the game that he has and you know when it starts to get towards the end of your playing career what's the best thing that you can do is you can go transition you can go immediately over to start go playing so yeah I mean it's it's weird it's Kind of like the history of the draft, something wacky happens always, right before. Always get something I always wacky. look back at season two with Timely Cook the night before the draft. <laughs> yep. Um, because That's there was this one. whole debate about like who are the Kings going to end up taking at the point guard position. I can't remember who the other person was, but there was like him and BP were in a race. So like, okay, these are going to be between the two guys. Yep. And of course, when Colt was on that team, there was a lot of Xbox versus PS4 debate. Well, BP's a PS4 guy, or PlayStation yep. guy, so they're going to want to go down that route. And so, yeah, add this to, to the list of kind of wackiness. I mean, to be on the job for a month, to go to the Combine, too. Talk yeah. to him plenty of times when oh, we're yeah. out there. He, he was thrilled to be yeah. uh, their coach. So, And also, I, I will say, with how the center class ended up being a little bit uh, lesser than anticipated, yeah. I think it's kind of, not that it's a bad move, but like, it is also unfortunate that like he's not going to be able to just jump in the draft pool and get picked. Like he told me at the combine that like there were teams that were interested in picking him up and like he could have played again this year, but he just chose not to. So like I I just wonder. I wonder like what his future is. I wonder if he's done with the league. Is the league done with him? Is he going to come back as a player? I have no idea. But this this is such like a this is such a shock. I mean st- stuff like this has happened. The, I knocked the court. <laughs> stuff like this has happened in the not in the, not the stuff exactly like this, but you just never expect stuff like this to happen to T Wolves Gaming, right? Like they have been the like one of the premier organizations of of the league for a long time now, and for them to drop a press release like that 24 hours before the draft, it that that's the most shocking thing. Like a this week, is the T Wolves doing this? And it, yeah, it's like they're a standout organization. Like I think we put. 
the Raptors always like at number one, yeah, just from yeah. the Shane Talbot days and the foundation that they laid yeah, and kind of like the T-Wolves piggyback off on it. And, and it was just a weird press release too. It was yeah. just, they've parted ways and then just immediately says the next paragraph, we are immediately searching for a new coach. And yeah. I gave some info about the team. Yeah. So yeah, while it's, 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 it's definitely strange. And I guess like the good part about it for like, if anybody's a T-Wolves gaming fan, or if you're a bear, the organization Who's been the man that's been in their corner from the jump and they came in and won the championship? It's JB. Yeah. And JB, the reason he has a coach is because he has another job with the T-Wolves. Exactly. He has another thing that he has to do. So while you said, yeah, there's definitely a lot of coaches being picked up, Yeah, I think with a team like the T-Wolves, if I were to get an offer from them and I'm a part of an organization right now, maybe I'm not getting paid as much mm. or maybe I want to go to oh, be over there coach with poach. coach poach coach poach or Ooh. you could pull Ooh. somebody from the community too, which I mean, I feel like there's a lot of, I do. I definitely feel like there's some people qualified, but I think it's different at the league level compared wow. to doing it in pro-am where a lot of these guys don't even put their teams together. They're a just, they just coach. give them a brand to represent. So that's an interesting take. I wonder if, I wonder if they, I'm sure there are probably a couple of coaches out there. Cause I mean, the team will take care of their guys. I interviewed for them back in season three. Did, yeah, and that's, I don't you, think I've ever told anybody that. I, I think I've maybe told like you and a couple others. I, I, I knew, and then you chose to be a player, yeah. and then you ended up back with me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's they'll be in good hands no matter honestly who that they whoever they go with. Final thing before we get to the draft: Do you think this affects the way they draft? You do, or do you think they're still going to end up with basically the same team anyway? I think it'll. I think it'll stay the same. Okay. I, I still think at the end of the day, um, I think historically JB has been a very analytical person very with, with the way that he's been going arguably the best drafter of all time yeah. especially late late picks because uh, obviously they, they've not had a top pick in a really really long time I mean they they took DJ too cold they took clampism they picked up slaughter at the end of the first round uh, you know they've they picked up a lot of talent uh, over the years and obviously they were the ones that ended up nabbing bear back in season two yeah after his crazy fall um, what was he 13th overall? I think that year. Yeah. Something. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think they'll be fine. Cause I still feel like while you do bring in a coach, you value their opinion. It is a group effort. Yeah. And of course I feel like bear, he bears got himself to the level and rightfully so to where I feel like if he should be able to control, honestly, every aspect of their roster. That's why I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be less that they are going to change the way they draft and more of, they're probably going to look to, Look, JB's probably going to look to Bear for confirmation on the yeah. picks versus looking at like Ramo first. Like, I, I, again, I don't know what Bear's relationship is with JB when it comes to the draft. Like, obviously, players and orgs, they have very different relationships on the court than during the draft. But, you know, if they're going to draft a two guard for Bear, he's probably going to go to Bear and be like, all right, are you okay? Like, this is the guy I want. Yeah. You know, like, like yeah. Are you, obviously, like, you want to ask everybody's opinion and for backcourts, especially. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, even for that front court, I mean, you want to make sure sub feels somewhat comfortable sure, during sure. that. But uh, it's another team, too, right? Where we didn't see Bear play any type of 3v3. So yeah. is that maybe something that's changing? Does Bear want to play threes this year? So you're kind of building around that and having yeah. to find a power forward that he feels comfortable with playing in the 3v3 mode. That's a big topic of conversation. And honestly, do it. Let, let's save that conversation for when we get to the T Wolves pick. So let, let's, let's transition over to uh, the actual draft itself. So draft uh, uh, Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, live on twitch.tv slash NBA 2K League. Uh, for those that follow the league, um, you know how many picks we have, 35 picks. For those who don't, uh, the amount of draft picks that the league has had every single year has gotten smaller and smaller. We have 25 teams, and there are five players per team, which means that every single year a certain amount of players get retained, and the remaining spots turn into draft picks. We only have 35 picks, which means that we have 90 players retained going into this draft, the most in 2K League history by far. Uh, last year, we had 47 draft picks, so we had, what was it, it was about 78 uh, retained players, mm -hmm. and 
To be honest, Dirk, I think next year we'll probably be closer to about 25 picks. I think we might have about 100 players retained after this season. It's crazy. It's nuts. I mean, because I, I mean, I've been a proponent of as, as each year's draft has gone on. I think like the sweet spot to get the rest of the elite level top 2K guys in the world was season two yeah. and season three draft. After that, I'm like, there's going to slowly start to have this drop off, and especially in certain positions going yeah. forward. I feel like now we're hitting that point. Definitely. While, definitely. while there are still some elite level players, like when you look at the point guard position, right? It's Benzo, everybody else. Where are you truly ranking you them? Going, it, yeah. You know, you got to move it just by like a needle if you want to put somebody above the other. So I think that's the issue that we're going to run into. And I think teams are realizing that that's why they're just going with, hey, we want to retain, we want to protect this guy over anything else instead of trying to draft somebody. Okay. So let let's let's go through. We'll go through pick by pick. We get to talk about uh, we get to talk about like each team as we go through it, uh, and then obviously you know I'll, I'll name the pick as we go. So first overall pick, uh, Wizards District Gaming. Uh, this coming off of the Day Fry trade, um, Day Fry comes back. The Mavs got the first overall pick. Easy trade for both mm. sides. Uh, future first from the Mavs and number one overall um, for Day Fry and the Wiz. Now and honestly, Dirk in a really great position. They have B. Rich, Awkward, and Udini. Obviously, three very core pieces to their title runs uh, in season three and season four, uh, and honestly, season five. Even though they didn't win, a open point guard spot and one of the best guard prospects that we've ever had at the top of the draft in Benzo. I don't think there's a question of who they take. It's going to be Benzo. This is Victor Wembanyama, but guard. Yeah. I think the real question when it comes to this Wiz team and Benzo is. Is his best position point guard? And how long is he actually going to stay at point guard? Like, I've seen him play PG. I've been watching him since uh, UPA Boston. He's looked great. Not going to lie. Like, he, he looks awesome. But we all know deep down that his be best position is shooting guard. And I, I still wonder to this day if they're going to find a way at some point this year to get him at shooting guard. Whether that's put B. Rich at the point. We know he can play point guard. He did it. That's how he got into the league in the Nets. Uh, but that's I, a long time like, ago now. It is, but like, you know, it, it's a usage rate thing. Like, Benzo's going to have the ball, you know, almost 40% of the time. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. So, ben, Benzo likely number one. What do you make of the Wiz? Yeah, no. I, Benzo, clear-cut number one. Every year we typically have... Uh, you know, one of those prospects where like they're easily the best in the class, right? When we talk about Rhea, talk about crazy. Those are some that come to mind. They're players who play three through five. Yeah. This is Benzo now. We have like our, our shifty Kai-esque guy in this draft being picked overall number one who is playing a very, very important position. Right. So I think that brings uh, the interesting dynamic. If you're picking him, I feel like he has to play point guard. I, I do not see a Wiz world where they have a lick of success. And it's no offense to be rich, yeah. but definitely, I mean, from even when he played point guard, he got enough of a prospect badge, right? Yeah. So it's not like he dominated the tournament and ended up winning it to be able to get himself into the league. And he's been good at the shooting guard position uh, when it like, needs to be called upon. I feel like he has a lot of slow starts and then slow, it picks yeah. it up as the season goes on. One of the best catch and shoot guys of yeah, all time. That's of all like, time. It, if. The league wasn't so double guard, let's dribble heavy. Yeah. I think they would be in a, in a very, very good spot. But I think with him, it, it, they, Benzo has to ride it out of the point guard position and then at least get past to where you go to 5v5 and you have the yeah. add drop. And then if you want to make some changes in that regard, because sure. again, while we talk about there is like Benzo and the drop off to all the other point guards, you have to think there's going to be a lot of really good point guards that are still going to be yeah. in the pool for the add drop period. I mean, when I did my most recent mock, I mean, the guys that were falling out, uh, meter dunk, fiend, duck. 
uh, falling out of the pool or falling out of the mock draft that I had. So there will be guards available that are five v five centric. I think the wave the, the wave ad is going to be a fascinating conversation. We we can talk about wave ad yeah. after the draft tomorrow because we'll definitely have some some snub players to talk about. Uh, Wiz also have pick twenty five. It's easier to just talk about both their picks at once. Uh, they're going to obviously pick up a center. No offense to Nudini. I tried to warn him last year. I was like, I don't think the center thing's really going to work out. You're the, one of the best power forwards in the world. You should just be kept there. He argued with me. The Wiz disagreed. They put him at center. They drafted Glowski. It didn't work out. The front court was honestly, it's not that it was a disaster. They just couldn't score last year at all. Their offense was terrible. So pick 25, probably going to be a center. The real question with the Wiz, do you think they will go pop or do you think they'll go inside? Like, are we going to see, like, a kind of, you know, the offense that Benzo runs in Pro-Am with, with Lux and the popper? Or are they going to go classic Wiz DG, gritty inside defense? Maybe you go, like, a Yusuf or a type and really get gritty. If you're a center this day and age, you have to be able to play both. That's fair. That's a great call out. That's, yeah. like, yeah. It, it's... It's so weird because I, I always sit there and I think about this. If you, for anybody that's been around and watched two kill leagues in season one to now, you see how much the game truly has evolved. And you wouldn't think it happens because it, it happens and just slowly does it to where you don't even realize it. And you're like, oh my goodness. And then you start playing the game and you realize how different everything is. I think now with the success that last year some teams had with a popper, and I think moving into this, when these players go out there to test that league build, yeah. there's going to be a viable popper build. Absolutely. There is a, going to be 1,000%. So I think we are past the point of, and it sucks to say this, like for guys like Type, who have never been really known to shoot the ball, who have right. been these crazy inside guys, they're still going to be able to get away with just playing with that inside mindset because some guards feel more comfortable with it. Right. But I think for in terms of if your point guard wants you to play in a pop and you're like, yeah. well, I can't do that. You, you have to be able to draft. So I would say whoever you feel comfortable with being able to play both. Because at the end of the day, right, because we say popper as if they're going to just be spotting up the entire time. You yeah. still have to be able to do both, sure. but you got to be able to show your shooting hand to be able to open things up for everybody else. It also does, I think, help them a lot to get, uh, you know, somebody who can pop. You know, Nudini's one of the best rebounding power forwards that we have in the league, yeah. and he has been for a really long time. And for anybody who watches a lot of 2K24, the power forward is so important for rebounding nowadays. They gotta know how to box out. They gotta know how to worm. You gotta be able to. You know, they went from rebounds, being like starters, like you're you're the inside now. They know? went from being like the fifth most valued position to now being almost like number I would say one. Second, it's crazy. Well, you, you say I, it's, I was. It's still point guard. I say well, maybe not even point guard. I say it's the best guard on the team, and then it's power. Yeah. Forward. Because, you know, at this point, the shooting guards are basically point guards with how much they're being used. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's the Wiz. Let's go on to the T-Wolves here. T-Wolves have 2, 5, and 19. Uh, they have Bear and Subgoated. So they are looking for a shooting guard. They're looking for a power forward and a center. Big shoes to fill at that two-guard spot. Probably going to be the guy that they pick at number two overall. A lot of options. Uh, you got Tutak. You got Score. Uh, I heard a Trey Dallas uh, rumor well, one of these days that the T-Wolves are looking at him. So... I feel like they're going to replace Kai with a really high-profile shooting guard. I can't see them waiting until the end of the first to grab their guy. I just don't think that's how Bear plays anymore. I think the days of him being, like, the number one guy on an offense, it's not that they're gone, but he just operates better with a running partner. And when you have two other great picks in the first round, you can do whatever you want with five. 19, you can pick up a center. There's going to be a run on center probably to end the first round. I feel like that number two pick almost has to be a shooting guard. People yep. were arguing Jay Bullen to me, but if he doesn't want to be there, you got to go guard. Yeah, I, I think you are in a position to where you're looking at the the shoes to fill from yeah. years prior, and Kai's been one of the best players in the world. So those are massive shoes that you do have to try to fill. And yeah, it's it's probably two-tack. 
I think it's safe to say, especially with all the hype that's around there. So while I I still feel like for me, when I watch Tutac, I think he definitely has the offensive capabilities of a shifty Kai. I think the defense that Kai brought is something that you just cannot replicate at the guard position. That's that's what makes him all world, right? But like in terms of when you looked at how free-flowing, if the T-Wolves could get you stops and how good Kai could run a break, how good Bear could run a break, I think Tutac could probably be that guy that can give that to you. Because if you look at any clips that Tutac has had over this entire pre-draft, it is him just running up the score line, getting himself some easy shots shots been also transition out to the half court i'm interested to see how the t wolves play defense this year because their defensive system the past couple years was very predicated on like you know having the lock and the shooting guard having you know whoever lock was whether it's clampism or shift a and kai funneling guys down low into the power forward but if you don't have that same skill level like what what is their defensive system going to be i think now that you've sub goaded in here who's i don't want to say a better one-on-one defender than like a clampism or a shift day but like he's a very different lock than the what they've had in the past obviously his offensive capabilities we saw last year are pretty are pretty sick he's gonna be a lot more aggressive than clamp that's the thing with sub goaded a lot of stage locks is that we saw it even two from jay snags and threes when he had to go play lock he was the most aggressive lockdown like he was taking gambles (laughs) running out there trying to get the bump steals constantly that's how sub go to plays, and I really like that for a team yeah. like this. For a team that's definitely going to have to feed off a lot of the energy that's being brought around yeah. to the other players. So, I mean, it is it's it's we, definitely weird looking at this Teagles gaming team. At least Bears there, so it feels some like normalcy to it. They're still going to play. I mean, their offense is still going to be crazy on yeah. tempo. I mean, they still have Bear, Bear and Sub. Just those two. I mean, that predicates a crazy fast offense. You throw Tutak in there, who's an outstanding transition guard. You get a Popper in there who can come in late. Um, but honestly, for me, the, the big question mark for them will be power forward. I mean, power forward's been such a huge part. They, not that they were ahead of it, but they really invested in the power forward position the past couple of years. I mean, they got DJ too cold. That was a huge pick for them, really pushed them forward in season five. Uh, last year, you know, putting shift day down there, he was excellent as a power forward. So, you know, they're probably not going to get Jay Bullen. I don't know what they're going to do with that fifth pick, whether it's going to be an Iggy mode. Do they trade out of that pick? Do they go back? Plue has been playing with Bear a lot recently. So there's a lot of options for them at the power forward spot. I'm, I'm honestly fascinated to see how this T-Wolves gaming team ends up. But all right, so that's the T-Wolves. Let's go on to the Magic, who probably my favorite team of the offseason mm-hmm. so far. We, at the end of last season, we really threw the gauntlet down on Magic Gaming when we were closing out their season. You know, you acquire Unguardable last year. You put this, they put a really funky roster around him last year. And you saw that funkiness just kind of eroded the whole team. I mean, yeah. the front court last year of Maddie, May, and Oreo, everybody kind of looked at it like, hey, you have unguardable. Like, you need a blue chipper down there. And they never really got it. <laughs> so Jonas said, all right, let me pull up my shorts here. And the man gets maybe the highest or the, one of the biggest commodities in the front court in the league in Loki Godlike for a single pick. He got him for one pick, eighth overall, which is unbelievable to just get a guy of that talent. And now, you know, a couple uh, couple weeks ago, they acquire a return to DJ from Gen G, a really good two-way shooting guard. And you can start to see a very interesting Magic Gaming team starting to formulate. And they have the number three overall pick. I think this Magic team is going to be really good this year. I'm very excited to see what their roster looks like at the end of the day. They have three and 16. They need a lock and a power forward. Um, I The rumors are that Jay Bullen is going to be their guy, and he's going to play uh, lock in threes alongside Godlike, who will be the big. So I'm very excited for this Magic team. I think they've crushed it this offseason. I think what they'll end up doing... Um 
is if two talk ends up dropping to them, I think they'll take two talk and then shift return of DJ either to lockdown or something. Wouldn't that be nuts? That, that's the crazy part about this is that if they, if Jay Bullen goes two and you know, the, the T wolves don't want to talk. I mean, magic have all the options in the world. They can take two talk. Who's played with unguardable. They can take score. Who's played with unguardable. They can take kick. And like really re good. return of DJ when he played lockdown really wasn't that bad. He's a good player. He, yeah, honestly, I think he could do every anything. I, I think personally, DJ's probably sitting there like I want to play shooting guard next to unguardable this year. Like, yeah, he's probably this is probably a prove it year for him. It has to be because I mean be. remote he's always phenomenal, but like over since he's been in the league onwards, anytime that it's yeah. gone on stage, it has been. His bad shooting performances has killed the vibe for Gen G plenty of times. Yeah. So maybe that'll change with him being down in Orlando. Like I don't I don't honestly I don't really know what goes into that of like, okay, I'm so good remotely in person. My yeah. shot selection's not as good, my timing's not as well, good when I'm open whole as well. Gen but G team on stage offensively had so many issues. Yeah. Like it wasn't just him, it was Gallo too. That whole team Gallo had like, a weird year. Yeah, that whole team just was super weird when you got them on stage. But uh, honestly, I'm excited for the magic. You know, again, picks three and sixteen. And also, just, just a small rumor to close out the magic here. A lot of rumors around them and Warnocks. Mm. A lot of rumors that they might be looking at him. And, you know, it makes sense, right? You know, from a, you know, we had the visa issue getting international players over here. They don't have to worry about that. They're, he's not going to play three. They I know, got Jay Bull in a low-key god. Like, they can wait. We they played, can wait for him. We played a lot of Great Britain scrims against France. And me and Joan always sitting in there playing against Warnocks. And there was always something that just... It, it's It's so strange. Because, like, I don't think I've ever actually talked to him, but the way that he plays is, is just, again, like a sub go that we just talked about, it's very aggressive. Oh and also God. his <laughs> offensive bag is is phenomenal, too, which he, I feel like that's something that is definitely going to be able to take some, It just looking at three specifically, like mm -hmm. if he were to play that mode, it'll take a lot of weight off of where we saw on guard while just shooting every single possible shot. Is he the best international prospect ever going into the draft? I think there have been guys who might be higher profile like mario was a crazy high profile yeah. prospect but i'm talking from a league readiness skill standpoint is he the best that we've ever had have there been guys in the past that just weren't drafted because they were international who were as good as him or like is he just kind of conquered a different level for what an international prospect now, the only one from a skill perspective and i guess this also goes with the name is definitely gunner back in season one people calling him the sure. european dimes yeah like okay. that is a That's big a thing one. and he came okay. over here it wasn't very good but now, in terms of all the other guys, yeah, we had Mario. People are like, this is a European Ramo. Mm. He came over very underwhelming yeah. from the center position. He, he but also, I will say, he also walked into a league at this point. That was season three where we had COVID. He had visa issues. Yeah. We never played in person. It was a very different situation. It took him a long time to get over there. And he's trying to create chemistry with Fab, if you remember on that yeah. Fab team. That was tough. I think I'm very excited to see Warnock's play just because the lock position has changed so much. Like, it's... It's so much more of an offensive position now than it used to be. Like we saw guys last year, like Bag Motion, Kenny, you know, Joe Mar when he played lock and threes. Like they did so much crazy mm. stuff with them, setting screens, flaring up, playing as a secondary sharp. I think whatever team ends up with Warnocks is going to be very interesting. But I mean, if the Magic can take him at sixteen, that that team that, is going to be. That's really fun. that's my thing. Is that I really hope for any European player that gets drafted. I hope that they get to play threes. Right. That's like my one thing. I don't want to have to to sit on. I don't think he will on the Magic if they have yeah. that the team. Because like, no offense to him, he you could make an argument that he might be like the third string three v three wing. Yeah. DJ and Jay Bullen. So I, it, 
Yeah. I mean, it definitely, it definitely be tough, but it's, it's almost like I don't want to sit on like a goose egg waiting to see this guy's debut. That's exact true. same with MDS, the number one overall pick didn't play till oh, three months into the season. <laughs> I'm still so mad like, about that. <laughs> I just want to see the prospect play. But I mean, at the end of the day, too, if you want to secure yourself somebody and maybe they're not even going to get picked, so it's like, why would I even pick them? I could pick them up during an ad drop beard if I wanted yeah. to for 5v5. But yeah, I, I, um, I would not be mad. I think, I think Jay Bullen would definitely go here. I, I think. The draft, how you've made plenty of mocks and how the top so three has mocks. gone, I think that's how it's yeah. going to be. So I just think if Tutak doesn't get taken by the TOs, I think that opens up the doors for Magic Game to be like, okay, let's secure this. DJ, you might have to move to the lockdown position. We'll figure yeah. something out. Well, let's move on to the Kings. They have three first-round picks. They got four. They got seven. They got ten. As Sacramento attempts another rebuild. Uh, I feel like this Kings team, man, like it, the – a shocking amount of talent has come through Sacramento and has left. I mean, Bash, Shots, Yusuf, Walnut, Mama, Ant, uh, Miles had a, you know, a decent season with them. Uh, just so many guys ha have gone through their system, and all they're left with is Brian Carey, who, look, Carey, Carey's a good, solid power forward in the league. To be honest with you, man, I have no clue what Bray is. I, I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's bad. I don't know what his best position is. He is an absolute question mark. And now they're coming into it. They got four, seven, and ten. No future first. They already spent that future first asset to move up in the draft. And they're they're in a really weird spot because if they mess this up, in the, they're they're kind of screwed. They have to nail these picks. Like they they if they if they mess these picks up, they could be worse than they were last year. And that's that's hard to do. <laughs> They, the pressure's on for them, for sure. A good part about it is, is that you would hope with how, one, how close the picks all are to each other, that it'd be really hard to mess this up. You'd think so. That's where I'm sitting at. Oh, uh, you think so? I think that... <laughs> you hope so. They so, do have the dreaded number four overall pick, which isn't nearly as dreaded as it used to be, yeah. but it had a long history of it had a bad, bad it, had a, it had a really bad history. Yeah, shout well, out to Claude for doing a good job as the number four right? overall pick last year. Shout so, out to Claude. I, I think it'll be probably shooting guard to get that because we, we already talked about it at the top of the show. You got Benzo, the rest of the point guards take who you want, I yeah. guess at that point. So I feel like that's when you would look at the shooting guards, which what probably Trey or score or one yeah. of those two. I love score. And then just, maybe, a high, just a high profile, high usage rate shooting guard. I'm wondering, I doubt that this would happen, but I, I've been thinking about it late with the Kings with BP's kind of resurgence. Do you think there's any Ooh. chance or do you think with how Man. ugly that season two season was, and he's even openly come out and be like, I was immature back then. I messed up. You know what? And it like, might be best for both. Like, you can go both ways with it, right? Like, on one side of me is like, yeah, that narrative and storyline's awesome. But the yeah. realistic side of me is yeah, like, like eh. is the organization going to want to do that again? I don't know. I mean, I don't honestly, I don't think they pick a point guard until 10 anyway. Like, I think they'll go uh, shooting guard at four. I think they'll go best lock slash big available at seven. And then I think they'll they'll pick their point guard at 10. But look, this Kings team, like, the, the, the pressure's on. They were embarrassingly bad last year. Yeah. We, we don't have to beat around the bush. They were really, really bad last year. The Reg Bash shooting guard point guard combo was as bad as we were worried it was going to be. Um, Bray, I don't think like Bray was played almost every single position in the front court last year while they tried to figure him out. Do you remember that Dimes was on that team? Didn't play a single game mm -hmm. for that team. Um, it just it's been it's been a calamity for this franchise for the past two years. And and honestly, nothing nothing encapsulates the Kings more than the fact that. They were the ones who, in the late second round, drafted Ant. Could you imagine if they just handed the keys to the franchise to Ant instead of trading him away? 
but instead we're two years removed. They're back at number four overall. He's at pick 26 coming off of another finals appearance, an MVP, and they, they never even tried him out as the guy. I mean, just looking at that roster, too, is just insane. I mean, we kind of knew that, that the way that Ross was, he wasn't going to play the shooting guard position. but like to put Ant at shooting guard, but also like – now, now saying I'm, I'm a shooting guard if they have a point guard well, on that team. That's the thing, right? Yeah, they just, they, you know, the Warriors beat him to it. So th this Kings team is, yeah, the Kings are the Kings. I, I think. They got to figure it out. Again, with how hard it is to screw this up if you are the Kings, this should be the big breakout year for Bray of all the hype yeah, of how 100%. good of a 2K player that be. he is. It has to be. And I remember having conversations with him in D.C. I think it was like as their season ended, I was like sitting down there talking to him. He was like, like it's just a rough season. I'm just like, I mean, bro, like it happens to rookies all the time. No matter how good of a look, look at crazy as some of the years that he's had in the league, right? Coming in, all this hype. We'll talk about nothing. The we'll talk nothing. About the so yeah, no, I think um, I have faith in them. I, I really do. I know for an organization with kind of a history that just doesn't have this good track record of being able to, you know, solidify themselves as yeah. being a top team. New coach Lavelle Cole in the mix. DJ Layton moving to that general manager position. And here's my thing. Mm -hmm. The Kings never used to be invested on social media very much. No. They were like in the off season, not doing Facebook. a whole lot. But <laughs> they always have these crazy Facebook metrics. See, but now they're they're so actively engaged and Lavelle coming so deep from the community, DJ. They're more involved, I feel like, than they have been any other single season. Yeah. So I, I, think I think that's a good it, sign. I think it behooves them to take score behooves. four overall. Behooves them. I think it I, they have to take score at four and they have to get good fast because a guy like Score can be like a face of your team for a long time. Like he can be, I think he's going to be a part of kind of like the next generation of great shooting guards that's going to kind of come through. They, they need to be good or he's, not that he's going to like demand to be out, but like he's a high quality player who's going to want to start collecting wins and money's, money fast. So if you're the Kings, there's a really high profile guy. You got to win and you got to win fast. The good part about it is, is that you're starting off with threes. Yes. And if you are good at scoring, you will be just fine. Score you will, you will be able fun. to at least get yourself and keep yourself in games and 3v3, anything can truly happen. Score is going to make them really watchable this year. Yeah. And I think, uh, honestly, at the bare minimum, that's that's what the Kings do. Right. They be watchable. <laughs> uh, all right, so we talked about the T-Wolves already. They have the fifth pick. Let's go to the sixth pick with Hornets, Venom, GT. Uh, I got a lot of flack this week for maybe going in a little bit too hard on them, but it, it's okay. I mean, look, they have had a... For a team that's had... For a team that's won two banners... They have had more roster turnover than you would ever expect. I mean, the team back in season four was was Sherm, Rigby, Trap, Crown, and Pete. The and Doug's. only player left from that team. And Doug's on the bench. <laughs> the only player left from that team that's even in the league is Crown. They've gone through so many guards. They went through King Hod. They went through Glenn Raddy. They went through Bougie, Antoine Love. They tried Rigby a second time. And then they trade away Antoine Love. They bring in Spam. They trade away Spam. And now, I, I want to say all they're left with, but, like, all they're left with is pick 6, 14, 17, and then Saint and Crown. It's, it is so peculiar. It's very peculiar. But they, they keep winning, man. Every single year, they keep finding ways to, to win eventually. eventually. I, I mean – you look at this past season, if there was no Antoine Love, their fives would – I don't think it's I don't anywhere watch. near. I, I'm so happy we didn't have to watch that. I'm so happy. Yeah. It would have been a nightmare. So, I mean, I think it's – with the like you just said, right, they, they always find a way. 
They had that resiliency, whether it's people changing positions. Mm -hmm. Do we know if Saint's going to be locked down again? Is he going to play power forward? Is Crown going to go center? Is Crown going to go back to power forward? Mm -hmm. I think that this is kind of the luxury you have, though, when you do have three picks that, you know, aren't terrible to really have with with some of the players in this pool. I think the only weak spot is is that when you're looking at the guard class, it's kind of okay. Are we going to be able to find us that guy like Antoine Love last year who's going to have to score almost 30 points a game for us to make things interesting for us to go out there and win? Um it's not really an organization that you want to send a young guard to to build up. Yes. I think that's the you big need, issue. I, they need somebody who has already a little bit of a rational self-confidence. Yeah. Like you you kind of need that guy who's like, like you know, if, if you're being yelled at by Sainer Crown, be like, I this, don't care. I'm going to keep playing my this game. Is like, an, you need to have mental fortitude yeah, to play on that team. This is an organization who we always bring up the term league ready. Yeah. They need a guy who's ready to go yes, in. Like either exactly. uh, Honestly, they need a guy who's proven in the league already playing at a high-level position. I have BP for them. I, th- I, I like the new mature the new mature BP who's really focused on winning. I, I but but that's the thing. There aren't that many guys. Like if you're talking about league experience guards who like want to go there, it's like you're talking BP. You got Duck in this class. Uh, Tay was on the league bench last year. Book has played really high level. Like there aren't a lot of like league ready guards. So when I look like all right, who would be sick on that team? Man, BP would start every single game for that team, threes and fives. And also, Big West loves himself a redemption project, man. He is he is Mr. Redeem Team. So, I, I, like, whether it's BP or not, I am interested to see how the Hornets play this. I think they'll go off the reservation a little bit for one of their picks. West just loves to do his own mm-hmm. thing. And, and honestly, I respect it. Like, he's got balls. He's got more balls than half these teams. <laughs> um, but, look, I, I think Fluke Lock will be the pick at six. We saw how good they were last year. The yeah. Fluke. The fluke crown saint front court was legit good. I will say, though, one thing I do want to bring up about this team, and then we, we can talk about them a little bit more at the end of the first round. I, I want to see if the saint thing was real because he was great defensively. But down the stretch, he, he, he really struggled shooting the ball. Like, he, he was not – honestly, what it ended up being is that he's very used to shooting the ball out of a specific corner because he was locked down. So he would shoot a lot mm-hmm. from, like, left side. He was shooting a lot from the other side of the court, and he was struggling. And then they switched him to the other side, and he was better. So I'm interested to see, was the Saint to power forward thing real, or are they going to have to find a way to kind of maneuver around that? Not to say that he's going to be bad, but if he's the reverse Plue, where he's like an insane defender, but he's shooting terrible from three, you know, Plue was 70% from three and couldn't stop me or you on a pick and roll. Like, I'm interested to see how that front court works, but, I mean, Fluke's right there. He's yeah, right there. I, He's staring you in the face. I, I, that, I think that's, again, speaking of like the new age of 2K, I feel like if you're a lockdown, you can go flip over to play power forward at a high level now. Yeah. Because they, they, how often are power forwards guarding ball now? Yeah. But with all these rotations that get thrown into the mix. I, I, and again, you know, we saw this a lot last year. Eastern Conference teams probably did this more than anybody. The teams, when they really need stops, they started putting the lock and the power forward as the two defenders mm-hmm. up top and moving both guards to the corner. Having Fluke and Saint at the top doing that formation is terrifying. That's yeah. a horrifying thing I, I for think, other teams. So I, think, I, I still love the combo. I think the the if they were able to get that same front court from last year, thumbs up. Yeah. Pending you run into that same issue that you would have had last year if you didn't get Antoine Love. You did, so that's why you're able to win. Yeah. Rigby did start to pick it up down there going down the stretch. But I think for them to be successful, you're gonna have to bring in some high scoring guys. Yeah. And I'm assuming, you know, with that pick that you get, it's like, do you immediately jump on fluke lock? Do you look at the shooting guard position to try to get them to try to give you some little like offensive rhythm to start? But again, it's um you you would like to think that it's hard to mess things up. Yeah. You would like to. 
Well, let's the Hornets. The Hornets are always one for conversation. Yeah. So I'm sure that tomorrow night we're going to have a lot to talk about <laughs> when we get through it. Uh, so that's pick six. Pick seven was the Kings. We talked about them. Let's get to oh my my favorite org man Blazer Five Gaming. Uh, what what a oh man what a crazy off season for them. You know they they had a really gr- I, honestly. I will call last season a great season for B5. We went into last season thinking that they were going to be absolutely awful. And they ended up being serviceable to good. Like, they made the playoffs. They were fun. They made a a bunch of runs in in a bunch of different tournaments. And then they proceeded to tear down the entire team. And they are left with Claude, who I think is good, but I'd still say that is relatively unproven as, like, a number one Mm -hmm. option on an offense. And they're left with Chaos, who is not unproven as a number one option on defense. He can very much be your back-end pillar and you're fine. But the issue that they're stuck with is that they have picked eight. You don't find a lot of superstars that pick eight. And, man, do they need, like, a guy. They need a guy. They did not – I'll say it right now. They did not get enough return on value for Jomar. Jomar was no, worth not at all. far more than eight and a future first for them. He was everything to them in both I mean, modes. Just look at like they're, so in, they're they're in a weird spot. They pick here at eight and then they'll they're pick eight. till thirty and thirty four. That is a really oh yeah I didn't mention they have picks eight thirty and thirty four. That is uh, that's miserable. Uh, and I'll say it. I, I know that really like the hard I know because like it depends. One is chaos going to go back to playing center or is he going to be power forward? For me, I still think him at power forward has been phenomenal. I know he's that he great. was a oh, good center sick. before he got nah, to the league, sick. but keep him at power forward. So when you're going down the list now, right? So you would like to think you go through the year with Harvey. You need a shooting guard who's going to give you something right off the rip. That's the first thing that B five probably still look out for. Yeah. Then you're going deep into the trenches. Literally, the, the bottom 10 picks to be able to go through and find yourself a lockdown and a center, which I don't think is that hard to do. But when you're looking in terms of an elite, high-level guy. A guy who's going to play every... Like, that lockdown that they draft is going to play every single game for them in both modes. Yeah. That's a really big, like, burden to put on a guy. And obviously, a lot of teams are going to do it. But honestly, man, the Blazers at 8... They, they are the number one trade-down target that I have. There's nobody at eight that's going to really change their season. That 30th overall pick is, uh, is awful. I mean, it's, it's an albatross pick. You're not going to be able to do anything from that. Honestly, I think that the pick, I think they could package pick eight and 30 and move up, you know, give it to a team who wants to move up a couple picks. Like maybe the Grizz called them and they're like, hey, we'll give you 13 and 21 for eight and 30. Like, or just, just something. The, the yeah. problem is, is that like, I don't know if me as a team, I would want to condemn myself to having picks 8 and 30. So, like, I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're in a really weird spot. Their best bet might be to take a five shooting guard and then just wait to finish their threes roster until the last, you know, six picks of the draft. I think it's weird. that no, with the three picks that they have, I think that you need to get a veteran OG of the league. They got to get some. I think because the success they had last year, was heavy on the backs of a Jomar and a Lavish. Yeah. Lavish constantly coming up to us and other people saying he has something to prove, which motivates him to play harder. I mean, him and Jomar's chemistry defensively was outstanding. And I do have a lot of faith that who they do bring in, they do have Joe Vegas. Yes, sir. That makes me feel really good about yep. like trying to build somebody up. And But I feel like at the same time, for an organization like this, especially coming off of last year, I think they're probably expecting results like, Right the fuck now. Yeah, they're going to have to <laughs> nail these picks if they want results right away. But you know, look, the, the Blazers perennially have, have been one of the better teams in the league. Like, honestly, you, you look through the, the league history books, and the Blazers have always been towards the top yeah. of the league, whether it's making a random run in a tournament, sneaking into the playoffs. Uh, they've, they've done really well uh, in the ticket uh, throughout the history of the Western Conference. 
My memory could be wrong. I think they've made the playoffs three times through the ticket. I think I, I, it could be Mr. With the Blazers. Yeah. So what season three? So it was last year. Season three and last year, right? Or I think did, it was did, was did, it last year? Was it season four? Did they do it back to back years? Season three they did because I remember Mama that dancing was, on camera. Yep, yeah, that was that was season the, four. Did they, they make it and the then lose? Was, yeah, because that was the Bash Goofy team. Yeah, uh, where they where where they played the Knicks in the ticket finals mm-hmm. and nobody cared. Yeah, and they all they all played different positions and then they made it last year. So it would have been I guess three times. Um, all right, so that's the Blazers again. They got pick eight thirty and thirty four. Uh, we will have a lot to talk about with them tomorrow. Uh, Jazz Gaming, they have pick nine, pick twenty, and pick twenty-eight. Pick twenty-eight, they get from the Lord Beezus retirement. Uh, the Kings, or excuse me, the Jazz right now only have Kaze and Rhea, uh, two pretty good pieces to build around. Uh, I, I like the picks that they have as well. Nine and twenty are two quality first-round picks. They're probably going to end up with a decent backcourt. Pick twenty-eight is there. They can go. 3v3 big, they can wait on a guard, they can really do whatever they want here. I like the position they're in. I think they're in a good position to trade up if they want to. I think that pick five for the T-Wolves might be something that they're looking at, but I like where the Jazz are at. I mock them trade dollars, uh, obviously after his insane UPA, great threes player. We saw him last year with Dot Squad, but I think this, you know, this Jazz gaming team, I, I understand why they've been kind of iffy for so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, you lose a guy like Splash, it's so hard to recover from that. They didn't really get properly compensated last year for losing him. And now they're kind of coming into the draft this year with the ninth overall pick. And it's like, all right, we have a chance now to really find a guard who's going to define our backcourt for years to come. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I like where they're at. And I also think that 20th pick is really sneaky. I think they can come away with a really good player at that spot. Yeah, I, I guess I really like Kaze, obviously being the lockdown for threes. I loved what we saw from Rio last year. Yeah, Rio was I think like... Those are two guys capable of making game-changing plays. So now when you're looking at it, right, you immediately start to look over at the guard position. And with the pick that they have, I don't think looking at them with the pick, what is it, number nine, and you said... Nine and 20. I I have trade dollars for them right now. I think that could be a good one. I I wouldn't have said trade dollars if I didn't see him play threes last year. Threes last year, he just crushed it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, and this is a a message to any prospect slash league pro, like, you will always have a chance to add things to your game. And yeah. Trey was not a threes guy, and he walked in, and everybody was like, hey, you can't shoot off the dribble. And he went, watch me. And he did. <laughs> and he was sick. It was just a good way of like mixing everything up. And I I, I liked how rec combos played. It was very flashy. But yeah. a lot of threes guards get in the rhythm of over-dribbling. Yeah. Trey Dahl is being a guy. It's like, oh, I have to just have to make – Two moves, and I can just run straight to the basket, or I can shoot this open three off a pass. I think that team was really good, but like he himself individually was was phenomenal. And then how he just played over at UPA, so I definitely think that's kind of like the secure pick that you you do have to go with probably yeah. that early to solidify it. Because yeah. I still think right when you're talking about what's oh, another point guard, Mooch was somebody rumored with the whole Raptors situation that he was going to get traded to the Jazz at some point. Can they wait that long and then be able to get Mooch alongside him? Yeah. So I, I feel like they're in a good position. Obviously with Beezus leaving, I was very excited to see Kaze, Beezus, and Rhea load up and and play a game. But, you know, things happen. A lot of good power forwards are still going to be out there for him, too. So, I think the Jazz are in a... It's it's so tough because it was so easy to give analytical breakdowns about the top three teams. Like, yeah, these guys, these guys. But the drop-off, that is the only thing that worries me. And it's kind of... 
like that ticking time bomb, okay, of who is going to be the first one to really adapt to this league level out of all these other new incoming prospects. And I think that the conversation that we always have year in, year out is just always guys with league experience. They're going to get valued higher than these brand new prospects who have never played at the league level. Uh, look, I'm 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 excited for this Jazz team this year. As I continue to cough and fail to clear my throat, let me do it one more time. <clears throat> um, yeah, Jazz are just in a good spot. I, the funny part is that last year is going to go down as like one of the all-time great forgotten good seasons by a player. I thought Rhea was was spectacular last year. I think it is imperative for the Jazz to find just one. I don't like if they find both. It's huge. They need to find at least one guy in their backcourt that they will retain going into next year. Mm-hmm. Just one. Like if they find both in the point guard and shooting guard they draft this year are their backcourt going into next year, woohoo, we're we're popping champagne, but like they just need one. Find one guard that you can build around going forward, whether it's trade dollars or the, the point guard you take at twenty, it just has to be one. They can't go into next season with nobody with no with more inconsistency in their backcourt. Mm-hmm. That'll that'll be three straight years for them. Yeah. So they gotta calm down. All right, so the Kings are at 10. We'll pass them since we've talked, uh, talked about the Kings oh, a lot. Oh, oh. <laughs> Let's get into the Hawks. Uh, again, one of my favorite teams in the league. They have pick 11, and the last pick of the draft, pick 35, so they get Mr. Irrelevant this year. Uh, the Hawks come into this draft with, in my opinion, the best roster that they've had. Uh, they got MDS, the number one pick from last year. They got Underrated Goat, who they picked up from the Sixers. And they got Glow, who they picked up from the Mavs, one of the better defensive centers that, honestly, we, we've had in the league since he got here in Season 3. Um, a, a team at a very interesting crossroads because this is the year that they need to decide, is MDS the guy or is he just is he just like a, a piece? Like, is he the face or is he just a part of the team? Because... They have an opportunity to really surround him with a lot of elite talent, or did they go kind of what they did last year with C's, where it's like, okay, we're gonna have this really multi-talented backcourt, but like he's not the focus. Like, I I don't know what this team is gonna do, but man, I hope they play better defense than they did last year. You want to know how I know if you're the guy of your team? How they pay you in the offseason to stream? Oh yeah, they paid MDS. Oh, they paid (laughs) MDS. That is a great standard. I love that. That is a great standard. So for me with MDS, I do think that like he has to be the guy to play in threes. Has to be. Right. Like it just at this point, like who would you even bring in to play point guard to be able to do that? Why draft him first overall and then not play him in threes the first two weeks? Because somebody, guess what? Just trade him at that point. Let somebody else do the threes. I I gave them a little bit of a buy last year because I thought C's as a threes player, just in terms of scoring ability, is phenomenal. So I was like, it's a great like I know we gave them a lot of shit for or hell, whatever. You can say shit. We I we gave them a lot of shit last year for not playing MDS and then C's came out and was like top four in scoring yeah. again. So like it's not like C's was and he's, bad. It was he's just always like, been phenomenal in three. So if there's any excuse why you're not playing him, that's a yeah. perfect one. Well, guess what? There's no excuse. Yeah, there's no There's no guy that you're going to draft to play threes that is going to be probably no. better than him unless Certainly you not unless you went deep into the stage realm and just grabbed a guy to strictly play threes and that's it. You could. I think for this team, like ideally, because I know that I, I try not to get uh, like hit by the bait of some of these guys playing together before the draft. That's funny because I have bait as their. That's what they haven't they not been playing proing with a team that's yes. really been called Hawks Talon GC. Yes, they have. <laughs> I think though, like for me, just looking at this, I don't know relationships anymore between guys. Do they have beef? Have they played together in the past? Yeah, it's hard to. Track. I think a fit like this, like Duck, would be perfect because I think mm. Duck would definitely 
be okay with being like, okay, I, I won't play threes. If I do have to play threes, I will, yeah. which we saw him do with Lakers gaming. Yeah. Might get a little PTSD of thinking back of like, well, last time this happened, I got dropped. But he even actually played yeah. during that whole process when that happened. So I feel like that would be somebody that could kind of fit well, the relationship he has with Glow. He's yeah. a veteran in this league too. That is right. He, he has played with Glow. And he's a winner. He always time. finds ways to at least make runs. He has a lot of experience too playing with high usage rate shooting yeah. guards. I mean, even on the pro-am side of things. I, I think the duck pick maybe at 35 would be, would be really good. I mean, if they pick Duck at 11, they go power forward at 35. It wouldn't surprise me. But I think there are a lot of point guards who are probably ready for that, like, you know, high usage rate shooting guard thing. But, man, I just – I picked the Hawks to make the playoffs the last two years, and they made me look very stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think I'm going to do it this year, which means that they're going to make the playoffs this year. So, watch out. It'll, it'll, it'll be the one year you don't. They do. Exactly. All right, that's the Hawks at 11-35. Let's go on to uh, another fascinating team. <clears throat> Dukes Infinitos. Pick 12 and pick 31. Uh, a man, their offseason was basically the equivalent of a wacky inflatable arm flailing two man. I mean, <laughs> they they had a three v three championship roster. They all three of those guys are gone. Killy's gone. Hez is gone. Loki Gallic is gone. Beezus is gone. Vandy's gone, and they are left with um. Dare dare you say maybe an odd trio of Spam Gazuli and Oreo? Yes, I would call it odd. Yeah, not bad. Odd. It's just odd. not three guys I would ever predict to be like the no, three going into like, the yeah, season. That's, that's my roster. Okay, yeah, I guess that's my roster. <laughs> you never see the three of them playing together in pro am. Not that they don't like each other. Yeah, but like, they don't run in the same circle. It's yeah, know? it's it's a it's definitely an odd combination. I feel like they're all just kind of products of okay, well, we just want to move these guys. And it's like yeah, sure, not really. Oh, we'll take them. Honestly, yeah. I don't honestly even think having that necessarily in mind of like are they all going to get along in the that buy, aspect the buy but low, the, i will say the buy low on gazuli i think is sneaky good the, the buy i would i don't know if they're i don't know if giving the sixth pick for spam is a buy low i love the buy low on gazuli i mean they, they give up basically nothing i i love when guys get repetitions in the offseason playing with the best players in the world yeah gazuli playing with dave fry and all those guys i think that is very very valuable going into it's almost like they relied when you on him a lot on that liquid yeah and honestly like we'll get to the Mavs in a little bit we might have to talk a little bit about cap he it, doesn't look so good this it's like uh in nba prospects like over the summer right leading up to yeah. the draft like oh this young guy just started working out with these three dudes are like, okay, they're going to be in good hands. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of how things work, especially with a lot of the hype going around Gazuli and kind of being very underwhelming at times, yeah. right? Not that really having a hype. team last year was pretty underwhelming. Yeah. So, but it's definitely, it's an interesting combination for me. I just, I love everything about Spam in terms of the way he carries himself. His content is fucking amazing compared to, honestly, he, any other player in this entire league. He's still an untapped superstar. Yeah. I, like, look, you know, I, I don't want to get into, like, all the stuff he went through last year. I know he went through some health health problems last year, and, you know, that kind of messed up his rookie year. He was in and out of the lineup for threes. You know, they brought Duck in, and they brought Trey in. And, you know, we'll talk about the Lakers when we get to them at pick 29. You know, it's 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 a funky franchise, so I'm not surprised that Spam had a funky year. But he's going to be the face of this team now for Dukes, and they're going to be able to supplement him with, with a lock and a power forward who – Hopefully you're going to like really make that team defensive and, and take them serious. Well, here's the interesting part too. Well, first off, shout out to Mario as well, uh, yeah, getting the coaching coach, job. Right. Um, awesome. Kind of a full circle moment, I feel like, with yeah, him being the face sure. of Dukes for, what, four or five years now? Yeah. What could make this team even more interesting, we are just talking about, I would never picture these three playing, yeah. if you throw a European prospect in there. Yeah, that mean, would definitely make it one of the more rosters in NBA 2K League history, just looking at it like, that's a team? These guys are all playing together right <laughs> now. But I, obviously, if there is a team that's going to do that, mm -hmm. it's probably going to be Dukes. It, it's interesting because I had Warnock's mock to Dukes at pick 31 for the longest time. 
and then everybody else caught on that Warnox is really good. Honestly, I think if they if they're if they want him and they want him guaranteed, they have to take him at twelve because the Magic are interested in him at sixteen. I've, another another interesting one. I've heard the Bucks are interested in him at twenty three as well. Would that? I don't think he'll be there at thirty one. Would that be the highest? Pick ever for a European prospect? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lottery. That's a lottery pick. He'd be the first European lottery player ever. <sighs> That'd be crazy. That'd be huge. Do I think they should do that? No. I think that you I, kind of... I think so. I, I, do you know why I think? Because, first of all, they're at pick 12. What guy are they going to take there that has the upside that he has? From like from not, from not just a player standpoint, but like from a marketing standpoint for them. Be like, hey, we're the international 2K team. We... The best international 2K player, watch us, follow us. We're the team. Like, he'll bring so much to them from, like, a marketing standpoint. I'd be down for them picking him there if he is going to be the guy to play the entirety of threes for them. I'll give you that. Yeah. They if can get if him they're picking threes, him yeah. just to be like, okay, yeah. well, we're going to run, like, a spam, Gazuli lock, and score, or whoever plays the power forward moving them. Yeah. Don't pick him there if he is not going to play the entirety of threes for at the lockdown. I position. also think that like they really, really need a defensive pillar power forward. Like they need a guy who's going to come in and and really dominate. Because like I'm I'm not the highest on Oreo. I think Oreo is a nice, serviceable, average two K big man, and that's fine. He'll be in the league yeah. for a while. He's he's a good, solid player. But like they need a guy down there. Uh, whether it's uh, you know an Anias, maybe they pick up like a Jolo or something. Uh, Plu will also be on the board for them at that point. So. I think it'll be fascinating. I, I just, I think they might just drop the nuts and take Warnox at 12 and just be like, you know what? Let's, let's go all in on international. Let's, let's make this a thing. He's the highest drafted international player ever. Everybody. I mean, I don't know if you were watching the UPA European stream the other day, they had 1500 people in there watching like a random pro-am tournament. And let me tell you, Warnox was the best player on the court in every single game that he played. So yeah, I mean, he does. I know that he, um, I think JLB texted me, I want to say last week. He goes, yeah. hey, you got Dimes' number? I'm like, I think so. I don't know why. He goes, well, he's scheduled to play an overnight over here in Europe, but he's not picking up the phone. And if he's not, <laughs> then I have to play. So, like, I know, too, like, he's getting reps in with some guys from North America. I oh. know uh, E9 Ren is also getting – Aaron is getting the reps all, in, all too. So guys who played with him or played against him in EFIBA, like, all the guys that I were with are like, he's legit. Oh, it's, like, I, I talked to – I think – Absolutely legit. I talked to Johnny a lot when we were at UPA, yeah, and I yeah. was asking about him. I talked to Dossix, and it, it's the same reception. Definitely in terms of he has the hype. He has the respect, which a oh, lot of players out there in Europe yeah. coming into the league did not have a lick of respect coming out for some of these prospects, sure. but he has that. Yeah. So that that's always a really good sign. He, he's going to be – I'm, I'm really excited for him, mostly because like we've never had an international lock like this, especially with how lock is playing the 2K league yeah. now where it's so offense-based. Like you're, you're the point of attack for defense, but like most locks' jobs nowadays is to – I would say instead of defend guys, you're trying to move guys. You're trying to get guys to certain parts of the court. You're trying to funnel them down low. It's way less like ISO defense, mono e mono. I'm going to stop you from getting to your spot. It's mostly just like kind of keeping guys out of certain zones and obviously making sure that yeah, dudes yeah. aren't wide the hell open. Uh, so that's Dukes pick 12 and 31. Let's get to the Grizz. Um, I think the team that has had the most unfortunate offseason. I wouldn't even say the worst. I think just unfortunate because, you know, after the season that they had last year, they come in, you know, they they lose in the turn, right? They go two and four with that CP Reese Dimes team, and you know, I think we came out of that season. I was thinking like, oh, I'm kind of excited for the Grizz next year. Like they have a really good team. Yeah. And CP Dimes, they request out. Reese the God, he's gone. They acquire Cooks and Crush 
through a myriad of trades. They both don't want to play there. And now, through it all, <laughs> we're back at OG Grizz Gaming, man. It's Vandy and Spartan versus the world. It's it's not – they didn't have a bad offseason. It was just unfortunate that they couldn't get guys to want to really commit to what AA and Lang are trying to build. And now they have to rebuild around two veterans who love, who love Grizz Gaming. I mean, Vandy will play for the Grizz forever yeah. if he's allowed to. Um, but, you know, with picks – 13, 21, and 27. I don't see a lot of star power coming into that team. I think their objective is to put out the the most competent team they can and hope that Vandy can go up a level and take them over the top. I think they're going to be a sneaky good threes team. I think Vandy's coming for blood this yeah, year. Yeah, I think threes, sure shot, but it's kind of the same thing that we talk about the Grizz all the time is how they're going to perform in fives. Yeah. I think when you rank their offs, they had, out of all the teams that made moves, getting guys like Cooks and Crush... I'd say that's probably the best offseason. Yeah, for now, sure. Now, is it very unfortunate that you got two elite-level guys at their spots and they both wanted out, didn't want to play there, made it very clear that they did not want to be there, yeah. and now they're gone? That is super unfortunate because you're very. making you're making money moves if you're the Grizz, if you're a double-A. I also a. think for what it's worth, I know that Cooks and Crush wanted to go to the specific places that they wanted to. I think they miss an opportunity. I think a... a a trio of Cooks, Crush, and Spartan. You add a good shooting guard and another good big to that team. That's a good team. Like, yeah. You're going to compete with that team, but guys aren't from the grind. Yeah, I'm kidding. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The, I think that I think that they'll be fine. Honestly, when you have Vandy in threes, like I'm excited to just, see him back. We, I can't believe that he had the season that he had, and then he played one series. Yep, that's it. And, and we didn't, we didn't even Achilles, get to see it. I know the Killy was great, but like. Man, Vandy played one three series last year. And like, it was off stream. It was off stream. Like he's he's one of the like it's so funny we talk about like threes guards coming over to fives. He was the like one of the first and one of the best. And he he came the first season we had threes in the league. He was maybe the best individual player we had in threes. Yeah. Won them a banner. And if it wasn't for one of the most heinous upsets of all time, to be honest with you. That Pacers team probably wins the championship. They probably win the three v three championship if they don't get caught off guard. I mean, they walked into that series cold. The you know the Seldom's team had already played a series and got an upset. And I'm not making excuses. They got swept, but like they don't get swept in that series, they probably win the finals. And to not see Vandy in threes the next year is weird. But we'll see what the Grizz do. I think they're going to try to get competent, quality players. I don't think they're going to get like crazy high ceiling, low floor guys. I think they're just going to try to target good vibes and try to make a good te- good season out of it. It's going to be so. What do you say, Vandy point guard? Or do you think a transition? Yeah, I guard? think I. If a point guard falls to them at 13, I could see them taking a swing. Like, I've had Dynasty falling in a lot of my mock drafts. Like, I wonder, if Dynasty's on the board at 21, do you just take him and put Vandy at the two and say, you know what, let's figure this out? My thing is, and so I I think that teams might learn from it last year. I hope they do. I think when you have your point guard not playing threes, I think it really hurts them. They don't stay warm. They don't stay game ready. I think that's why Radiant being at power forward and then yeah. going over to fives had that hey, awful couldn't start. Shoot, couldn't shoot. I think it's because you have to think, right? Interesting take. You can be practicing yeah. and playing. That's whatever. But in terms of those guys that are putting more time in playing threes at the guard position, learning the dribble combos, learning their jump shots, they're playing three months straight of nonstop and you don't yeah. sniff guard, which means that you're probably only playing pickup games to get your repetitions yeah, in. Yeah, you're playing 10. Then you get thrown <laughs> into a competitive environment. That's, tens, that's 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 not runs. Yeah. I always look at for me the way the positive side of things, right? Because there's a lot of negativity around three starting off. Whatever. I look at threes as like a scoring boot camp for guys to train for fives. Yeah. Scoring in one on ones and yeah. getting double teamed up top and practicing your fat stops, your crabs, all of that. 
So that's where I think it does hurt you a little bit. So you're going to have to yeah. find somebody. If you are the Grizz, which Fandy is going to play threes. If yeah. he doesn't, I will be I, mind blown. I will bang on Lang's door and I will demand that he puts him on the controller. That is going to be <laughs> that is going to be the scary part because I feel like at some point you are going to have to try to mix things up right. because we have seen, especially if you're bringing a new guy who's never really touched the league before and you put him in. Same thing with Harry coming in. Hmm. Harry was not as explosive as a guard. He was a phenomenal game manager. I feel like I don't know if you can get away with something like that if you were the Grizz. Do you know what's funny? Harry, how do how do I say it? Do, do you know what Harry is? Harry is like if you took a point guard that was really good in the NBA in like 2007 and you put him in 2023. Like Harry's got like defense, he's got dribble moves, he's got passes. Like he's like Andre Miller. You remember Andre Miller yeah. of the Denver Nuggets? That's Harry. But like you put Andre Miller in the 2023 NBA where like it's all three point shooting, it's all pace, it's all fast, and it's like. I don't know if this guy really fits. I don't really know if this is like his exact skill set, but hey, you make it to the finals. Uh, and we'll talk about NBL here actually right now because they will pass over pick 14. Uh, the Hornets have pick 14. And we got NBL pick 15, another team with uh, just what the hell offseason, man. They went into they went into the offseason. <laughs> I can't believe this. With Harry, Jaden, uh, Lawrich, DJ Too Cold, and Sick One. The only player left on that team is Harry, and he's not even in point guard anymore. They've moved him to shooting guard. They've acquired C's, bag motion, and then they pick up Milo from the A&Z tournament, who we, we can talk about him in a second. But I have never seen a team make a finals and want to be split up that bad. Like, it was as if they all came to the same conclusion of, eh, that was as far as we could go. And then they just were like, all right, chalk it up and I'm out. Like, they, they were all out, like, immediately. Like, we're out. Bye. Trade us. It, it's I crazy. Get, it is crazy how it does work out. And I think probably they were a little bit too hard on themselves. They were playing Way the Warriors who were themselves. just like this insanely great, good they team. They were never going to win. Like, no offense. Look, NBL, they're always going to compete. Yeah. I, Moody's a great coach. They were never going to win that series. No. They, they, they played that series 15 times. I, I think they lose 15. The like, skill it's, not, it's not even their fault. The skill differential was just... Night you had day. Kenny got work putting up one of the best lock seasons ever. Cease literally playing as well as any power forward ever has. And honestly, like that NBL team, you go back and you watch their run through the East playoffs. They were damn good. Harry raised his game. I thought Jaden took a huge step forward. Law Rich, DJ, they were outstanding. And I think it's a, it's a shame that we're not going to get to see that team again. But I will say, despite all those guys asking to leave, they have a very, very interesting team. I don't think people are looking at them. You know, I think people are kind of underrating them. But like, C's, we know it can score. Harry, we know it can play defense. Bag, we can know can do everything. Milo, historically in the ANZ community, has always been a great inside big, and he's been playing threes recently and looks pretty good. I think this team in an Eastern Conference that, while they do have stacked teams. It's still very wide open. Like, I don't know what we're going to see from the Cavs this year. How is Radiant going to respond after a down year in the Knicks? The East is still wide open to me. I think this NBL could be a sneaky, sneaky team in both in both game modes. Yeah, I have. The only concern I think I have is talking about C's and yes, he can score. I feel like the usage of Harry is going to be very, very low with C's having the ball in his hand as much as he has. Yeah. Which... Again, like if you want him out there playing defense and maybe he'll just like find his way because if you're looking at back when they played fives and C's yeah. and MDS were working together, it was a lot of MDS actually with the ball on his hand scoring yeah. instead of plays going off of that. Yeah. 
I think what a lot of people were thinking, and I've even brought it up, but it's been shut down. I was like, would they even take another A and Z player right here to finish it out the power forward position? I, I would, doubt it. I mean, I if there is, it would be Mona. Because, but it, it, yeah, Mona would be awesome. We can, we can actually talk about him when we get to the second round because there are some teams rumored to really like him. I think they have to go with a, a U.S. power forward. They yeah. got to get a guy who's going to replace DJ Too Cold. I have them taking Odon, who's like a big threes guy, but like. The one thing that C, like the one reason I'm really high on them is because C's has never had a team that could get him stops. Mm -hmm. Never. Even when he had his best scoring games, nobody could get him stops. Never. No, no stops. He never really had a great defensive shooting guard. He's never had a lockdown who can do what bag motion can. I'm 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 really excited to see C's on a team that takes defense seriously. Like the Hawks tried every single year they had had with him to play defense and they failed epically. This NBL team is going to be good defensively. Bag is going to be awesome with him. Like the the, the screens that they're going to do with Bag, the two man game, Harry being on the hash, running the break, all the stuff that he can do at two guard. I'm excited for this team. But if this pick at power forward is a flop. And they put too much defensive pressure on Milo. The whole sandcastle is just going to crumble. Yeah. This pick is really, really important. It could be the difference between them making the 5v5 playoff and honestly being top five in the draft next year. I mean, I think even looking at threes, I, I don't yeah. like because the good part is I feel like for them just looking at threes is that bag motion is going to be one of that Pistons GT defense oh, dude, that they ran. Bag and threes, they they are going to have some games where just the two of them win whole series. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So that's why like I don't think Milo will be the guy to play in threes. I could sure. be wrong. That's why um, I have them taking Odon just yeah. so they can have another option. Which again, yeah. this uh, the roster shaping out to be another one like Duke Infinitos. Like, oh, all these that's guys are playing together. <laughs> I will say, you know, they it is interesting to see. Seize and bag on the same team. I'm interested to see how they play with two international guys. Like bag has always been a really big proponent of like of international players. You know, guys can play. I'll yeah. play with him. He doesn't really care. Um, you know, Seize has always been surrounded by really high end league players. Uh, obviously, he's played a lot for uh, played in EFIBA a whole lot. So you know, he has experience playing on the international side of things. But I'm I'm interested in this NBL team. I, I think they're going to be a really really interesting squad. Mm -hmm. I I nobody's really talking about them because. Again, their their roster, like you said, is kind of a funky amalgamation. Yeah. But we'll see how NBL pulls them together. Moody's going to put a good product out. That's for sure. Oh, They're not going to be bad. Uh, the Magic have picked 16. We've talked we talked a lot about them. The Hornets have picked 17. We we talked a lot about them too. So let's move to pick 18. The Genji Tigers of uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Jay Keith and the boys. Jay Keith and the boys. Uh, a wacky offseason for them. I feel like I've said that about every single team. It was a wild offseason. We had almost 30 trades. Um, they opened up the offseason with Gallo, DJ, Crush, Feast, Flacco. The, uh, the team now is very different. Yep. It's Len is gone. Jay Keith is in. It's Gallo, it's Reese the God, it's Law Rich, and two open spots in the front court position. You know, it's funny. It, it's so hard to think about this team in a different frame of mind because Feast was such an I don't like he was such an icon for this team. Like they they played the way that they played because of him. Yeah. That defensive style, that defense first style was because of him. He's gone. There is no replacing Feast. They are going to have to play a different style of basketball now. However, it does line up a very interesting Gallo breakout season. And as good as he was when he run Rookie of the Year, I actually thought he was a little bit better last year than might be perceived. Imagine if you get him an offensive center that he trusts. 
and they finally start hitting the slip. They finally start getting the big man involved down low. I wonder if with with Reese, with a good offensive center, I wonder if Gallo is going to explode this year. Because honestly, if he doesn't, they don't really have a chance in this conference. Yeah. It's either Gallo goes crazy. <laughs> there we go. It's either Gallo goes crazy this year or they're going to be top five in the draft. There's only it's the only real options. I don't think there's a world where they're just kind of mid. I think they're either going to be real good or real bad. Yeah, I think for for me with Gallo specifically, when we're looking over towards threes, what Genji was kind of the same story since we introduced threes into the league. They play games close. They yeah. are a team that probably out of any other team in the league will lose twenty one to nineteen oh, all the time. And I feel they like that need comes to be up, better in threes. They need to like, <laughs> Gallo needs to get into his his three-point shooting rhythm in threes, yeah. right? And then also, I think to your point, you just brought up the defense. You get him some stops. I think Gen G is going to be able to turn things around yeah. all the way. So it will be interesting to see which direction they kind of go with at the power forward, especially when you have somebody like Lawrence, right, who's built from this 3v3 side of things. Oh, yeah. You're looking at some of the 3v3 prospects that you have that you can end up swinging in. Names a like a Miami great, that maybe pops up. Like there, There's a ton that you can bring in, at least even if you're not thinking fives right now and you're just like, I just want this guy for threes. There are a lot of guys that you can bring respect in. Respect to the Gen G franchise, they have to be better at threes this year. Yeah. Like they have been like dis- you have disgracefully two, bad. You have two too good of a guard to not be one of the best threes teams in the my, entire my world. My worst case scenario is that they're bad at threes again and Reese the God ends up closing out the season for them at threes guard. If, if Reese the God is closing out three V three for them as their lead guard, I have I have very poor hopes for them. My times. the five v five hopes. Yeah, go at down that the point drain. you're like, oh god. What I predict. Happened? I predicted. I think on the poster that Genji was going to win the five v five finals yeah. last year. I mean, year. hey, they, look, we we got to say this. They had a great season last year in five v five. Yeah, I know that, that. You know, look, they they made the final four of a tournament. They made the final four. They should have beat that Knicks team. They should have. They should have beat them and gone to and and gone to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, or was that? Yeah, they 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 should have beat them. They couldn't. Um, and now, obviously, because of that loss, they they had to blow the whole team up. Um, but from a draft-specific standpoint, they got pick 18. They got pick 33. They have to replace Anias and Feast. You know, we talked about replacing Feast. Replacing Anias is also not easy. He had a great defensive season mm-hmm. last year. Uh, one of the more high-caliber defenders that we have in the league. Um, it's a whole new front court, and, and I'm fascinated to see how this Gen G team kind of pieces this whole thing together. Um, Law Rich... I will say it's a different role this year for Law Rich. Yeah. Law Rich last year was not the first voice defensively. You can make an argument on that NBL team. He wasn't the second or the third. It probably goes Moody, Sick, DJ, then Law Rich. This year, this is Law Rich's defense. He's going to run this defense. He's going to make the calls. He's going to be the guy at the tip of the spear who's controlling their tempo. So I'm. I'm As I hit my wire again, I'm very interested to see how he plays this year um, as kind of like the guy on a defense. So that'll be fun. Yeah, which will be, I think it's interesting because we always perceive him as being this quiet guy. Yeah. But apparently he's not, especially when it comes down to the no. locker room. So yeah. I think it's it's good to give a guy who's young in the league the keys to say, okay, this is going to go your way, what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I also think too, right, bringing that Chief Keith connection, the way that they kind of built things there with NBL Oz Gaming and him, I think that's yeah. going to really help that transition of maybe trying to replicate something that they did last year. Well, let's move on to our, our single pick teams. Uh, pick 19 is T-Wolves Gaming. We've talked about them a lot. We can move on from them. And then Jazz Gaming have pick 20, and that's the end of the first round. So now let's get into the second round. The Grizz have the first pick of the second round, pick 21, so we can move on from them. 
And then now we hit the teams that have a lot of retained guys that only have one pick. Mm -hmm. We start at pick 22 with Heat Check Gaming. Coming off of a confusing year. Um, I say confusing because the team wildly underperformed. But also, I'm excited for the roster that they put together. Even though three-fifths of that roster were really bad last year. Like, they bring in Maddie. I don't know what position he's going to play. Could be lock. Could be point guard. We don't it know better what. be lockdown. It might, it probably he, be I locked. think Maddie's a, a special lockdown. He's one that he, he makes big-time game-changing plays. And offensively, I just love his game. I've seen him a point guard in the league before. That was back then, season two. It's been a long time. I don't want to see him a point guard. The <laughs> the frontcourt combo of Maddie, Dietrich, and Saucy is going to be fascinating. Yes. However, let's be honest. This team is going to go as far as Kai will take them. I think um, that that period end of story. And whoever they get at twenty two, whether it's a shooting guard, I also would not put it past the Heat to take a point guard and put Kai at the two. I, I'm not putting it past. Well, them. so that's the the mindset that I was going with, right? If we're we've seen guys take massive leaps from just being scores and then the next year being able to complete their game. Yeah. I mean, unguardable is kind of like the poster child for that right now with oh, the yeah. way that he was able to turn his game around. I think if you're the Heat here, because for Kai, I still like when I watch him, I still. It's just a score-heavy guy. Yeah, I think that the the correct way to go here would either be a playmaking shooting guard or just going for a point guard and saying, hey, you either have to mold yourself into a shooting guard or we're just going to put you a point guard and have Kai go to the two. Respectfully to Kai and his talent, the, the season he had last year is very reminiscent of a guy with all the talent in the world who hasn't really played that much competitively in his career and was kind of like learning as he went. Yeah. I, I will say... I've watched him a lot this offseason. What concerns me is that he looks like the same player, which is great. He's going to finish top five in the scoring. I mean, you could make an argument he might win the scoring title this year. I think he needs to slightly change the way he plays to be a little bit more team-centric, especially because he's got Maddie in one of his corners now, one of the best shooting locks that we have. Dietrich has looked outrageously good this offseason. He looks like he might be one of the three to five best power forwards on planet Earth right now. Saucy coming back. Beast Move was their shooting guard last year. Beast Move, he had the lowest usage rate of any shooting guard in the league. That can't happen again. That just, it cannot happen again. He cannot, like, no player should have the ball that much. Unless you're like Ant. The the development... <laughs> and Ant doesn't turn the ball over like that. Well, because so if, if Kai doesn't improve and add passing into his game and being able to work a whole team, it, it's honestly going to turn into like a BP 2.0. Yeah. BP over the years, right, he has been a phenomenal scorer. And each time he's gotten chances in the league, yeah. we don't see improves to the passing game at all. I think even now sometimes I get a little bit of that from BP too yeah. in terms of being able to finish it. But even if you look at some of the boss scores, they're very different from maybe what you have seen in the past coming from yeah. him. So I think that's my only concern. So I feel like the safe bet, get yourself a shooting guard who's going to be a little bit more of a playmaker or get a point guard to be able to transition over to the shooting guard role. The Heat, the Heat are in such an interesting spot here because they like you know they could end up being one of the four best teams in the East. They really could. I mean, Kai, Kai has that level of I mean, how many He's that good. How many times have we said that about the Heat? That's um, exactly paper, it. That's exactly this this is a playoff, clear-cut team. It's the same thing every year. And also, I will say, um, I don't think they'll ever trade Dietrich, but like, if there was ever going to be a year for a Dietrich DPOI breakout season, this is it. It's this, now. this is absolutely it. This is it. So that's the Heat at pick 22. Let's move on to the Bucks at pick 23. The Cooks era of the Milwaukee Bucks gaming is over. He got dealt this offseason for a package that got them CP... And guess who's back in town? It's Mr. Dimes, Mr. Artreo Boyd himself. He reunites with Dossix and Johnny, uh, the team that he won the title with back in Season 5, uh, Finals MVP. 
um, one of the greatest coups in 2K League history that they allowed uh, CP and Dimes to get on this team and extend, I don't want to call them a dynasty, but to extend this possible dynasty's run, a, a finals in Season 5 and a championship in Season 5, a Final Four finish last year, one of the best two-year runs we've had of any organization, especially for an organization that nobody was really taking seriously before that. And now they're left in an opportunity with Easily, in my opinion, the second best roster in the West behind behind the Warriors. CP, Johnny, Dossix, Dimes. But that pick at 23. There might not be a bigger swing pick in the league than that pick. Because if they nail 23 and that player is an elite 5v5 power forward, because he's not going to play threes. You got Don, you got Johnny and yeah. Dimes. That pick could either win them the title or be the reason why they fall to the Warriors again. That could be the pick that puts them over the edge or what, or is what holds them back the entire season. I actually think, low-key, it might be the most important pick in the draft. So which way would you go then? Because I know you said that whispers of Warnocks, which would definitely shift Dawsix down to we'll move power move Dawsix to the four. Um, Retro, I heard, has been trying mm. to, to, to get to them too. Um, it, it's difficult. I also really like Anias uh, with them. If they're looking for just a real defensive guy who's going to come in and like, you know, really know what he's doing rotation-wise. Do you think with somebody like Anias, though, because with how vocal he is and him being like the leader, do you mm. think that clashes? That's the like that Because I think like you I, can have all the talent, but if you're the one that's trying to be but, the but vocal I, leader I in that. Wanna, I, not, I don't even think he's a vocal leader to the point where like he's just going to be vocal. Yeah. And like also, he, he played with, with, with Feast last year and Crush, two very vocal guy so he knows how to kind of find where his voice goes the reason i like him the most is because last year the defense that genji ran forced him and feast to constantly be switching one of them's running pick and roll then the other one's playing corner then they're just constantly going back and forth that's going to be their defense this year too where dimes is going to play corner sometimes then he's going to have to play pick and roll and then one of them will be the rebounder like I just think he can do so many things for you defensively. I'm worried that they are going to take a highly touted rookie and the stage, the pressure is going to be too high for that person. Because this team is title or bust. Yeah. I mean, th th this team either makes it to the championship or it's a failed season for them. Period. End of story. That's the expectation of this team. I don't know if there's a rookie in this class who I'm like, that's the guy who's going to win them a title. But it's still, it's the most important pick in the draft. They nail that pick, they can win the title. Because yeah. So we'll see. That's the Bucks pick. And now we get to pick 24. Dallas. Dallas Mavs Gaming. Home, I mean, one of the wackiest roster turnarounds you'll ever see. An amazing turnaround. Somehow, some way, they have been able to acquire both Dave Fry, maybe the best player of all time, and secretly, I feel like nobody is talking about this. They also got shots. One of the best players in the history of the league. Just casually sitting there, power forward. I, I feel like we've forgotten that shots is on this goddamn team next to Dayfry. What the hell? How did they allow this to happen? It's time to stock up on the good gifts of shots. Uh, the ones wow. that you always type shots and Dimer always posts them of him in a Hawkstown jersey, rubbing his head, rocking back and forth, <laughs> going through it. It's time to get some smiles from shots I'm and excited. more of these that we end up seeing. But no, I mean, it is definitely one of the more less talked about things, but rightfully so, right? Whenever Dave Fry comes back, that's going to take yeah, over all those overshadow. stories. But I, I think for, because while shots has been so good, 
I, I still remember shots like from when he first came into the league and how dominant he was. And if you have kept up with his career, he's really kept that same level of play, if not yep. gotten better over the years, especially when he is put into an environment where it's kind of set up for him to succeed. Like yep. when he was with the Nets, he was playing out of his mind. Oh my God. I think now you pair him with someone like Dave Fry, who's on a revenge comeback season. Oh, I can't wait. Just had to <laughs> spend a so year funny. coaching. He's like, yep. man, I can still go out there and do this thing. Yeah. That is going to be scary, especially with Jarcy and his improvements, the way that he came yeah. into the league at the lockdown position, how good that he's been playing. And I will say, you know, like if shots doesn't work out at the four, they'll have a lot of options that they want if they have to move shots. Yeah. Right? Let's say it doesn't work. Jarcy can go to the four. They can acquire a lock. But also the the number one focal point of this team outside of the front court, they acquire Cap uh, as well from the Wiz. They bring him over. Um, they're still looking for their shooting guard. That's who they're probably. That's who they're going to take at twenty four. Here's the, the big question when it comes to this team. Regardless of who they take at 24, do you think Cap is the guy who's going to put them over the edge? It, it's, it's, and it's not like a talent thing. It's, it's, it's again, it's, there are levels to this. this they just got Day Fry. They're trying, they're trying to win the championship or at least make a deep run. They've obviously done it together with the Wiz. This is not the Wiz. This also isn't the Eastern Conference back in Season 4 and Season 5, which, to be honest with you, nowhere near the conference that the Mavs are in now in the West. I mean, that, that Eastern Conference, they were dealing with the, you know, the, 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 the Malik Carey stick rookie season team in season five. They were dealing with a Gen G rookie, you know, rookie season uh, Gallo that they could barely score more than 55 points in a game. This is a very different conference that Dave Fry's trying to conquer this. Time. I want more confidence coming out from cap. Me if too. they want to be able to like, when you think about being a, a proven winner and like playing with the best players in the world and Dave Fry obviously having heavy influence of being like, I want Cap to come play here as well, that should do something for your confidence. And that should be able to elevate your game for him. Mm -hmm. I do feel like with the glimpses of when Cap is at his best is beautiful. It's awesome. It is some of like the prettiest point guard gameplay that you'll see in the game of NBA 2K. Very fluid. But when it's bad, it is miserable. When shots aren't falling, because that man is is one of the best of when he is hot and getting open, he's drilling every single jump shot. But mm -hmm. when he misses one when it's wide open, it feels like all of a sudden it's 0 for 2, 0 for 3, 0 for 4. If you watched him during UPA, it's a perfect example of it where he went ice cold and they had to really, really lean on Gazuli to be like their primary yeah. shot maker. And like Gazuli is a good player, but like, you know, they're trying to win the UPA championship and they didn't even get close. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they, they just really struggled offensively. This shooting guard pick at 24. Absolutely massive for them because that person is a going to have the ball in their hands a lot, whether it's to start possessions to end possessions, uh, you know, off ball stuff off of offensive rebounds, kick out some day frying shots. This shooting guard is going to be a huge, massive, massive part of this team. And I wonder, do you go threes guy? Like how confident are you in cap playing threes? You know, like the, the thing with cap last year is that he had such a weird year. I mean, he had the highest three point rate in the league, which is, you know, percentage of shots uh, total versus three-point mm -hmm. shots. So basically he took the most three-pointers compared to the actual shots that he attempted overall. It's it's a it's a funky mix in the backcourt for them. And it's not that I don't like them reuniting Cap and Dave Fry, but I almost wonder if the two of them are better separate than they are together. So, But we'll see. This is going to be the ultimate test uh, for, for this season because, to be honest with you, if, if Cap's not working out, this this might be a one-year thing. I, I think that 
whoever you get at the shooting, you can't have a be rich player shooting guard no, for no, this no, team. No, 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 no. You're they gonna gotta need, be able to handle the ball. You're gonna need like a Fanta, a not elite shooter, I'd even put into the mix potentially a U bots if he ends up falling yeah. all the way down here to the maps. You're gonna have to have somebody Man, who's gonna to put to down the ball on down the floor. You bots to be great on this team. That's a great call out. The, the defense too. That'd be great. So we'll see what the Mavs do at 24. We talked about the the Wiz at 25. Let's get to Pistons GT at 26. A fascinating team. Great offseason for them. Uh, they had B. Rich in bag motion. Sounds like that relationship soured a little bit. Obviously, they had Ramo as well. It was a... I don't even think it was a secret that Ramo and Ant were not getting yeah. along well last year. And with the style of play that they wanted to with the popper, Ramo just didn't fit in. So now you look at the team, and it's Ant and it's Connor bringing it back. They've replaced B. Rich with B. Smooth, which is... You want to talk about a like-for-like like swap. Who boy. I, you know, the, the usage rate will probably be low again for B. Smooth, but I'm very interested to see him play. I don't I don't think it's going to be low. You don't think so? No. I think, I think, I, I mean, I think Ant's going to have the ball look, a lot this year. Let, let's look at this, though, from when we've seen Ant before the league. Yeah. One of the best passing guards that you ever have. The one who's been able to make plays on the fly. Mm -hmm. Now, you look at his run in the NBA 2K League at the point guard position, right? Yeah. He had Malik. They lost to the Wiz because of an early release oh. <laughs> game-winning shot coming from B-Rich. That was a different ant, though. It's a yeah. very different ant. So, like, he's still playing with a high-level shooting guard there, and you saw what they were able to do. Yeah. Then you go to my boy, EG. <laughs> he's all right. He's nice. And didn't have the most faith in him. That's yeah. why he wasn't running a whole lot of plays from sure. him. Sure. Then you bring in B-Rich, who, yes, we talked about when he is wide open Ooh. and, like, when Ant and them would draw stuff up for him and make plays, yeah. could make it. Sometimes he didn't. You are now giving him somebody that I've talked to him for the past couple months. He has wanted be smooth for a while. I mean, they traded the number three pick for him. And he just got one of the all-time great shooting guards. Yes. To where I think that now you are going to see more of a collective offensive mm -hmm. bag coming from the Pistons. Because Ant's like, man, I got be smooth on my yeah. hash now. I know that I'm going to be able to give him my bag of plays that I run and really start to have some adaptations to yeah. it. So I actually think that be smooth's usage rate is going to be pretty high from that That's regard. Fair. Be smooth is the most I think the most, is the most flexible shooting guard in 2K League history. He has, without a question, played in the most diverse offensive systems of any player. I mean, mm -hmm. he. I feel like every single year he's playing somewhere different, right? He had the Warrior system where you know they had CB13. Then he leaves there. He goes to play for Gen G. Different system. There. There, goes to play for the Heat. Different system every single year he's there, including last year with a career low usage rate. But obviously, the the gemstone of this Pistons GT team, if you're going to lose bag motion and you're going to replace him with a guy, that the best possible solution is Mr. Jomar. The, yep. the Puerto Rican miracle himself. And uh, Derek, I cannot express to you how excited I am to watch this team play 3v3. It is going to be a work of art. It is going to be a thing of beauty watching Ant, Jomar, and Connor play 3v3. For anybody who has watched them play 5v5, their chemistry is absurd. They they know they practically know what they're thinking. The real question for them is not in threes. It's what are they going to do in fives? What position are they all playing? Is Jomar playing the three, the four, the five? It's spammy playing the three, the four, the five, or Connor, as you may know him mm -hmm. from a 2K League perspective. And that brings us to pick 26. Dirk, prediction from you. You know Ant pretty well. You know Tunnel Vision pretty well. What position are they drafting at 26? Center. Um, Center, okay. I mean, I think that'd be the best way to go, but I also feel like they have to factor something into where if they do want to change things up, right? Maybe they want to sit there and say, hey, well, Jomar is going to play center, yeah. and we're going to have him on the pop, and then we have to move Spammy to lock. So I feel like you you have a really good safe spot 
Yep. Because if you say you just draft a center and maybe you do have to switch things up, Spammy can go to lock, Joe Mark can go to power forward. Like those two can inner switch. Yeah. I think to the point that we had brought up about centers, a lot of centers are very one dimensional in terms of they want to play on the inside and that's it. Yeah. They also don't guard pick and roll at all anymore. Where yeah. the old school centers, like myself, we were all used to guarding pick and roll our entire life and switching right. to corners actually a little bit foreign to us. Yeah. So for them, I think the way it, it's clear cut, Ant wants five out. Sure. Does it every single pre draft? Yep. Post draft, he always did it when he wasn't in also, the league. Also, he should be running five out. He's yes. the best five out guard of all time. So, no, no offense to Bear. I feel like Ant might have eclipsed. Well, they got to win the title. We'll see. Whatever center that they get, it has to be a popper. But even then, if it's not like that, I mean, you're not going to draft the guy who's known for playing inside and be like, hey, well, we might need you to play power yeah. forward now. You're still going to have to shoot. So I think they they need a do-it-all type person. Mm. Now, when you're looking at some of the center lists, right, and who would actually be a fit for them, like I feel like for me personally, out of a lot of the centers in this entire draft pool, Yusuf is one of the best all-around shooting, inside, defense, you name it. Yeah. Now, would I see Yusuf going to that team? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Bro, but that would be from, such but, a funny locker room. <laughs> but in terms, of, in terms of from like a skill set, we yeah. brought up Mona before. Yeah. I know that I sat there and I was like watching Mona play. I'm like... Damn, bro, this is exactly what like he's also loud. This man. is what like a he's, tunnel vision. Like imagine Connor and Mona standing side by side, screaming at you on stage. That's terrifying. I don't want to imagine that. So, so thank you. I'm okay. But like it, it's <laughs> something like that. You need somebody who's gonna be a do it all type player and historically has shown you that they can mix it up. It's not just let me hold and set a screen. And it's yeah. gonna want you to be like, okay, I want you to set a screen. I want you to dex in and out as a center, which I, is what honestly, you hardly ever see. Them taking like a Mona or an, another A and Z guy. That that then it becomes a thing. Like yeah. they've taken Jacko and they've taken this, you know, taken Mona. Like all of a sudden they're they're like an A and Z like delegate. You know, yeah. like they're they're kind of uh, up there. I, the only the only qualm I have with taking like an A and Z guy or a guy that's like more relatively unproven. Man, this team has such high aspirations. Mm-hmm. This team has this team wants the fives championship. Like that's all Ant was talking about last year. He's like, I got my threes title. I want to win five so bad. He won threes MVP. Connor was amazing. Bag was amazing. B Rich played as well as you possibly could. But they just, man, Ramo just did not fit that team at all. No. At all, man. It's he just, the same he thing we shoot. It's the same thing we just talked about, right? He's an old school center. He's known for his inside work. Maybe yeah. when post scores were a thing, the mid range work, but it was never the three point work that they I'm, needed. I'm going to throw uh, just a possibility at you. Then I think we can jump to the Lakers at 29. I think this Pistons team at 26 is prime for a trade. They got that extra future first. I think they're going to do something sneaky here. I think they're going to do something interesting. I mm. think they might move up to get their guy. Mm. Just just, just keep an eye on And who would that guy be? <laughs> Honestly, man, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they take boot. I feel like we, we've gone through this entire draft process, and we haven't talked about my number one center. Boot, Boot's amazing, man. Boot, boot reminds me of the centers of old. Do I know, can he pop? I think he could probably do anything. He's probably closer to an inside big than he is a popper, but man, the talent is hard to ignore. Yeah, I, I that'll be the the whole conversation. I guarantee in any interview it would be if you're can interviewing you with the Pistons and you're playing a center, can you shoot the ball? How comfortable do you feel running this and doing that? I mean, they could always jump up and grab like Polo if they really want a popper. Yeah. So there's we'll there's a as much as um, the center position has become less and less valued, mm. when you're talking about five out, they're a vital part in I'm, that I'm offense, you, so it changes. Th- this is the bridge season for center, mm. where the value is low now. I'm telling you, center value next year, when we really go full popper, is going to go right back up. 
Because all of a sudden it's going to be, if you have the best popper, that's how, because last year when it came to five out, what was really changing offenses wasn't the popper. It was how your lock was playing yeah. in the five out. This year, though, that's going to change. This year, though, it's going to be all about the center and how he pops, mm -hmm. whether it's how the Bucks are going to play with dimes and popper. I think the Mavs are going to have Dave Fry on a popper. So however your center plays, that's going to kind of dictate the rest of the five out. I'm telling you, after this year, that center value is going mm -hmm. way I up. I hope so. Way up. All right, let's jump to the Lakers at 29. Uh, the, the I don't want to say call it long-awaited, but I would call it the long-expected uh, Shifty Kai to Los Angeles move has officially happened. Yeah. Um, whether it was the Lakers gaming or another team that was hanging out in L.A., it was always assumed at some point that he was probably going to end up back there. Um, an L.A. guy, of course. I believe he lives there uh, in the offseason. He now goes to a team that... Let's have an honest conversation about the Lakers. I feel like people feel like we don't have honest conversations about the Lakers. Uh, what do you make of crazy? Where where do you, like, when you think about him, are you like, you know what, goddamn, that is one of the best damn 2K players in the world. Or do you think that he is a little overrated at this point? I mean, he's only been on one team that's ever really done anything. The other rosters that he have have all completely fallen apart by the middle of the season. Yeah, I, I he's had one good season out of four. I think he's still good enough to level. Uh, maybe the hype has died down a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, like when we're talking about the conversations of the best player in the world, just because he doesn't have the results to prove I think that his he is time the best. At center is done. I'll say that. Yeah, much. I yeah. think if he goes back to lockdown, I think that's where he can really be game changing. Yeah. I think my issue with him, at least from a body language perspective. They'll get to like the midway point of the season. They just don't give a shit. They really need him to be more of a leader. Yeah. Especially, with, and I'm not trying to say that Kai is not that guy, but like Kai has never had to be that guy. And when he was asked to be that guy on Gen G, it didn't work out that well. Like my worry with this Lakers team is that they have so much talent. Like Green Too Nice, good player, mm -hmm. right? They got Crazy, good player. They got Shifty Kai. I'm interested to see what they do with the other guard position. And, of course, at center, I'm blanking. They got UOVC at the end of last year. I mean, talent is not going to be a problem for this team. But who's going to be the guy who comes together and is like, what the hell are we doing? Like, we got we to gotta win something here. I, I just don't. Like, they need they need crazy this year. I don't know if he has it in him. He has to be, like, face of the franchise level guy. Like, this is his team. No offense to Kai. This is crazy's team. They've been building around crazy for years now. And they're it, it's 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 been weird. It's a weird. It's a weird. It's 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 a funky team. I mean, like Kai's shown us enough, especially in a half court, so that he can really change games. Yeah, jumping to point guard is definitely going to be crazy leap. I mean, we if saw he him, does, if he even yeah. jumps the point guard. So and then it's, I guess when you're looking at who do you want to draft, are you going to potentially end up with a double shooting guard lineup yep. with Kai and whoever, and just putting them at point guard and shooting That'd guard? Kind of fun. Or this late into the draft, are you looking at some of these point guards that are still left out there on the board and like? Yeah, let's take this guy and have Kai to play the shooting guard for him. They got to get a point guard who can. Oh, I hit my wire again. Okay, we're good. <laughs> I got. They got to take a point guard who can take the the lock attention off of Kai. Like they have to find a person who can make offense easier for him. I mean, that's why the T wolves are so good because if you if you put the lock on Kai, Bear's gonna cook you for two quarters. Yeah. If you put the lock on Bear, Kai's gonna cook you for two quarters. You got to pick your poison. And I mean, the only team that was able to figure it out against the T wolves was the Bucks. Twice. That was the only team that really figured them out. I mean, they've dominated the tip off with, with Kai and Bear. And, you know, they just kept running into a Milwaukee team that, I mean, man, how funny is it that Dossix ended up being their kryptonite, huh? Right. Dossix, I mean, it's just so funny to me. But I, I think this Lakers team, man, like, for me, this is a, this is, 
If there was ever a year that Kai was going to win MVP, it's going to be this year. Yeah. No more bear next to him of people being like, oh, they take away each other's votes, Katie and Steph style. Like, there's no more of that. He's going to be the number one offensive player on this team. They're going to go as far as he's going to take them in both game modes. But this pick at 29, you know, it's going to matter a lot for them in fives. Their three lineup is set. I'm very interested to see what this team does with this pick. I, I have Dynasty falling to them at 29, and I, I, I feel good about that. Like, if he falls to them, that's going to be a great pick for them. If he falls to them, it would be nuts. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's you know, they've been playing with meter dunk. I think Tay is an option. Like, there's a lot of options for them at 29, but I, I, I don't think talent is going to be a problem with them this year. They're going to be a really good team. They can beat anybody in the league, but if they – Excuse my French. They got their heads up their asses this year like yeah. they did last year. They're not going to improve. I think, uh, I, I mean, I'm usually not one to be super hard on coaching in any aspects. I yeah. feel like a lot of that's a bailout excuse for teams playing bad. I feel like this is one where Nacho really just needs to, from a, a mental standpoint, yeah. get everybody engaged and oh, not yeah. allow them to just be able to check out on a lot of the games that we have seen them kind of in the past. This team can win everything. They really can. But they, they need somebody in that room who's going to be a real leader. Uh, all right, so that's pick 29 for the Lakers. Pick 30 is Blazer 5. Pick 31 is Dukes Infinitos. Pick 32, Raptors Uprising. Is this, our, is this our last team that we're talking about? Uh, yeah, because then our last three teams we uh, are teams we've talked about. I'll, pick 33 is Gen G. Pick 34 is Blazer 5. And pick 35 is Hawks Talent. So back to pick 32, Raptors Uprising GC. They spent a lot of time last year trying to rebuild the team, trying to get it back on top. And they are now left with just one of the first-round picks that they had from last year. Mooch is gone. Gazuli is gone. Ham is the only one that's left. Still not totally sold on him as like a high-level lock. Decent player. Seam had a, had a, a season for the ages at center uh, jumping over. And, of course... They make the giant, well, I should say, before I get to the giant trade, they also acquire a Crush towards the end of the offseason uh, from uh, Grizz Gaming, which should be a very fun front court between Ham, Crush, and Seam. But the creme de la creme, the, one of the best trades of the offseason, uh, Raptors Uprising snatch Antoine Love away from the Hornets. One of the most interesting stories in the league. Uh, tried to make the league multiple times, never gotten drafted, will likely end up going down as the greatest undrafted player in 2K history by the time his 2K career is done. Um, what what a season for Antoine Love last year, and what a spot for him to land on this Raptors team that, again, in an Eastern Conference that's wide open, they could be really good. If they secure a... a Maybe somebody falls to them at 32. I have them with U-Bots right now, or even a Rigby. They, they put together the Hornets backcourt. This team could be really, really good with Antoine Love as the focal point. That's what I was just thinking. I was like, this would be perfect if you get a Rigby, but elevated, mm. right? You don't need somebody who needs to be this prolific scorer. You need somebody no. who's going to be able to get your stops and hit the open shots when it's really needed. Antoine yeah. Love is going to take over a lot of the load. I honestly think... A lot of the pressure for this team, or just in terms of an individual standpoint, is Crush. Yeah, big big season for Crush. He hasn't been having the greatest years so far in the league. Mm -hmm. You go out there and you're like, this is why you don't trade players to places they don't want to yeah, go. You make thing. this whole big fiasco on social media. Yeah. To where now you're with this team. He got what he wanted. If you got what you wanted, if you come out here and you just have an ultimate dud individual season... 
what does that say about you? And kind of what everybody, what everyone's saying yeah. is, is Crush still that same level of player that he was when he ended up coming into the NBA 2 Because Ham and, and Seam, I think his defenders are still relatively unproven. Crush is probably going to have to be the best defensive player on oh, that yeah. team, for sure. He's going to have to be the one at the power forward position that we are just constantly calling out. He's leading the league in steals. He's up there in blocks. His rebounds. like Calling him more than really anybody else in the entirety of that yeah. team. But yeah, I feel like for the shooting guard position for this, you almost need a game managing shooting guard. So for example, like I'm not going with a Fanta. I'm not going yeah. with a not elite shooter type player or rec combos. I want somebody like if they're going to get the ball in their hand, like, yeah, take your time, but almost they're getting like, a lot of grenades this year. Yeah, unfortunately. That's, yeah. that's what it's going to come down to. So find somebody that hits your open shots. I don't yeah. know which way that you want to go about it, or they just completely flip it and they're like, screw it. No, we want two guys who are going to be able to score at a high level. Also for the, for the two K nerds out there, for the guys that care about this stuff, which may not be many, definitely me. Um, I am very interested to see how Nick obviously coming over from the T wolves coaches this team, because I feel like, Anything that he did in Minnesota, they were always going to give credit to how great the roster was and all the talent they had. Like, but like I, I don't really know what Nick's style is on either side of the ball because the T Wolves, regardless of if he was there or not, was going to run the exact same offensive style. They were going to run the popper. They're going to do five out. Kai and Bear were going to cook no matter what system Nick was running. Nick gets an opportunity here to basically. Basically, from nothing, create his own offensive and defensive system. And if it's good enough, it could get them to the playoffs. I'm very interested to see what style do they play? What's he going to do? What 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 haven't we seen from Nick that he's going to pull out this year to improve this team? Because remember, he's he's GM and head coach of the Raptors. Yeah. He replaced Roy. So I'm I'm fascinated to see what actual what kind of basketball is Raptors Uprising GC going to play this year with Antoine Love? Because honestly. What Antoine Love did last year with the Hornets, this team can't replicate. There is no crown on this team. Seems really good. He's not the playmaker that crown was. Antoine Love and Rigby last year, you watched them. It was a lot of crown at the high elbow, pass, getting them passes, getting them open, off-ball screens with fluke lock, the whole thing. That's not going to be there. It's going to be a lot of Antoine Love iso ball this year. I'm fascinated to see how they actually play 2K this year. What kind of basketball are we going to see out of them? It's going to be, a, I think, a big trust thing for the players and Nick, right? He yeah. was with the T-Wolves for so long, just naturally kind of gained that trust. I feel like for now, when you're going into this new team, and I feel like for a lot of coaches, right, it's about what can you improve on and, and the reason that you're here. What's going to take us to the next level? Of course, for Antoine Love, that's going to be trying to change up things to his passing game, Yes, right? Scoring's good. Nick has nothing to say about that, but yeah. you guys are going to be straight. Now, from a defensive perspective, I mean, you even look from Nick from a coaching standpoint, and everybody runs the same defense in 2K. Let's Basically, not act yeah. like it's this crazy complex no, thing. Not. Everyone's running the exact same rotations. It's the fluidity of the rotations and the yeah. trust that fluidity you have. Chemistry, we saw yeah. what Nick was able to do with Brazil. Mm -hmm. Well, Brazil was still probably the, easily the best country in South America for yeah. the game of NBA 2K. They were, running, they were the only people running real stuff. Yeah, and so... To, he, Nick doesn't have to necessarily teach them. It's right. just going to be more about getting the timing down for stuff and calling it out. Sure. I feel like now with the T-Wolves, the role that we saw him, yeah, he was actively engaged. I think things get kicked up another notch now with this. Yeah. I think he's going to be a lot more comfortable too with the team, but actually sure. being on comms. I know before, right, it's, it's, it's Nick, but it's also a lot of JB constantly going in and out of the yeah. team. And Bear, is, of course. He, yeah, he know? is going to be the only person coaching and leading those comms. There's yeah. not going to be... Kevin, which I don't think Kevin works with them anymore. Let's just say Johnny. Johnny's not going to be out yeah. there on the comms just talking into the headset. It's just going to be all Nick. So I think 
they're primed to have a phenomenal season, right? They're obviously never going to have that same success that they had back in season three with that Raptors team, <laughs> but just to, to, to bring some life back to Toronto. Yeah. All right, well, that's pick 32 for the Raptors. And then, like I said before, pick 33, Gen G. We already talked about them. Pick 34, the Blazers. And pick 35, you have Hawks Talon. Uh, we'll leave the teams that already have completed fives. We'll leave them for either the post-draft uh, podcast coming up tomorrow night or we'll save them for a season yeah. preview whenever we do it. But most of the podcasts we do probably won't be an hour and 45, depending on like the craziness that happens. Probably most of them will be closer to an hour. The draft has to be a long, long, <laughs> long episode. Yeah, but both long, of these draft episode. prospects are going to be uh, really long. Um, are there any, I guess while we're here, we got you know 10 minutes to make it two hours if we want to round it out. Are there any prospects we want to talk about? Is there anybody you feel like we haven't? discuss that we we need to give a shout out to i talked about uh boot in the way i wanted to i feel like we Let's, talked about a lot of the how guys about this the how about we start from point guard and move down okay all right so just, just guys we want to we want to yeah. call out okay uh you go first um for me i'm gonna say mooch Ooh. okay um, i know for some reason i feel like a lot of people have this like negative energy for mooch for some reason mm -hmm. in terms of like the way that he ends up playing the game i remember playing with him when he was trying to go for the league he didn't make it that year that's when he jumped on a community team and I remember the one thing I always called out with Mooch is like, man, you move at a million miles per hour and you do not slow down. Yeah. Threes, that works really good for you, and fives not. I have seen him really change up his fives game yeah. to where I think if a team takes a chance on him to be a point guard, I don't think he's going to catapult and be like a top five guy. Yeah. Maybe creep into the top 10 with his gameplay, but that's somebody who has really improved. So I think that's kind of a sleeper one, right? Because a lot of people are talking, obviously, Benzo, Dynasty, Duck and BP, I feel like, are the names that we just constantly keep yeah. hearing Mooch kind of floating in there. I think that's a, a player that a lot of these teams should look out for more. I'm a slot uh, Tay in there. Okay. Um, just because, like, man, he, he's played with everybody. He was on the league bench last year. He's played with zero. He's played next to so many league professionals over the years. It's like, if there's anybody who hasn't been in the league who you'd be like, are they league ready? You, you can't be more league ready than Tay. I, I think his upside is is understandably like a little bit questionable but if you're looking for a guy who can run an offense he's not going to kill you he's not going to turn the ball over yep. a lot and he's going to make your high usage shooting guard happy he, he's probably the guy all right shooting guard I'll, I'll go first on this one um i think that rec combos isn't being talked about enough mm -hmm. um i you know he made this swap to shooting guard he's looked really good this offseason i think he took his lumps last year in threes i think if he gets a second chance he's going to look a whole lot better uh, the only real question I have with him now is hash defense. Um, but I think I'm just saying, I think he could be, if he doesn't get picked, I think he might be a sneaky ad wave guy. If, if a couple of these teams have shooting guards, they don't like, I'm going to go with X six mellow. Okay. And okay. I'm going, okay. Uh, I think just cause I'm not as in, in tune as much as I used to be in terms of like sure. watching a lot of the pro am I got to see him UPA and I got to interview him too. And that's why I kind of got sold on him. I, I think it's very rare when you have, a guy that's coming in, getting interviewed on camera to where you see how much they talk when they're playing the game and you get them yeah. on camera and they're just like very timid and quiet. Man, was as confident ever, as comfortable as ever. And I feel like you need something like that. The guy's young. And so I feel like that's exactly what you need coming into there. So I feel like that's definitely somebody, hey, I know his name creeps up, but when you're looking at how stacked the shooting guard yeah. position is, it's it's a tough world to be in. Hey, we were talking about him as a as a potential top five pick yep. uh, going into this pre draft, and the, that talent's still in there somewhere. That's for sure. All right, let's get to lock. Uh, I'm gonna go. This one might be, excuse me, a little bit more obvious. Uh, I'm I'm gonna throw Icy in there. Okay. Um, he had a really weird <clears throat> first year in the league. Played for a bad Hawks team. Played for a really bad Hornets team. Like, he didn't really get mm. a, like a true opportunity. 
had a great he's had a great pre-draft and, and obviously capped off at UPA hitting one of the best shots that we've ever seen uh in on stage pro am if there is any lock in this league if there's any lock in this class who deserves a second chance it's him I, I don't know what else he has to do to get a second opportunity I don't even know if he's gonna get it but like if there's a team in the end of the draft who needs a lock all these just take him you know he can play in threes you know he can play in fives he's played with everybody in the league literally everybody i think we have 100 uh, we have 90 guys who are in the league i think he's played with like 60 of them in pro-am so i i think icy probably deserves another chance he's will he walk in and be one of the five best locks in the league probably not could he be top average i could see that i remember individually like his defense was really good. His shooting was definitely a struggle when he was in the league. Well, we know he can but. hit 44% covers out the corner for the game. Boom. <laughs> Put your hand for, down. Any locks for you? Put um, your hand down. <laughs> that was great. One I'm just going to throw out there because yeah. I think a conversation always goes, it kind of floats under the radar, is follow the God. Ooh, okay. Um, It's when you have a track record of every single team that you're on in the NBA 2K league mm-hmm. and you're one of the best defensively, they all like him. That says something. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there, but the one I'm going to go with is actually Dario. Oh, I was going to mention Dario. Yes. I feel like nobody talks about yeah, him anymore. Yeah, Dario, um, I don't know why people don't really talk to, uh, talk about him so much. I think in 3v3s, he is so good. I mean, He's that's sick. obviously his bread and butter. Yeah. And the one thing I love so damn much about prospects and guys who come from 3v3 are the ones that like Dario, like Iggy Mo who go, screw this. I'm actually going to jump into 5v5 as well mm-hmm. and play that at a high level. Mm-hmm. And Dar is one of those locks who will consistently get you like, um, uh, what do you call it? Live turnovers. They're yeah. getting steals during the live game. Yeah. Right? So where maybe he's a little bit more aggressive like so many other 3v3 locks are, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be really good for him if he gets in the right choice. So that, that's the one okay. I'm looking at for small forwards. All right. That's a good one. All right. Let's let's uh, let's jump to power forward. Uh, I went first to the ICU. Go first this time. Oh, let me go with. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, this is tough. I have yeah. three I want to pick from. Okay. Actually, two. Okay. Miami or Jin? Ooh. Uh, one of those two. <laughs> I was going to say Jin. Um, <laughs> take Miami. Right, I'll, I'll take, take Miami. I'll um, take yeah, I, I think for Miami, it's, it's strange, right? Because when you're looking at that. Why can't, even, why can't I think of the 3v3 team that they had? What oh, was that uh, name? Handles. Hand, team Handles. Team Handles. How good he played then, like, mm-hmm. clearly showed he was the best popper in the entire world in threes. Respectfully to the rest of the league, Miami revolutionized how we play 3v3. Yes. Respectfully. And he played the old school way with not elite shooter in them and yep. showed what he could really do. He was so good. Now, the drop-off was really strange that going to the next 3v3, did he even play? Nope. And that's where I'm like, okay, how didn't do we have, play, the, didn't get drafted, how do we have the, the best popper in the world not even playing on a team, not even getting drafted? Yeah. So... He's a sure shot in 3v3, easily. The big question even for me still is a little bit into words flies, but he has the work ethic, like so many of these other guys who are trying to make the transition. And he has played very well in a lot of series going into this. Miami's my sleeper at the bottom. Jazz for him would be such a great landing spot. Get him and Kaze back together. cleans up all the mess, man. Get the Kaze Kaze Miami combo. Uh, I'll go Jin. Um, Just because straight up, he's one of the... Best 2K players in the world. And he proves it every single 2K that we have. Any competitive mode that exists, he is like top 10 in. He's constantly competing in my team. He's constantly competing in quick match. He's constantly competing in pro-am. He just knows what it takes to win at the highest levels. And I'll be honest, if he didn't if he didn't end up out of the league for you know everything that happened, 
um, with, with like you know, I think it was some like account sharing thing that happened with two K. Yeah, he um, during the sharing. during the my team tournament, he yeah. shared accounts. If that never happened, he'd still be in the league. Oh straight yeah, up. like he he never would have left. He would just have been here. I don't think he's like a first round guy who I'm like I'm taking Jin right here, but like. He's probably as good, if not better, than all these other bigs. He can play center also. I heard he interviewed great with a lot of teams. He seems to have grown up a lot since that situation. I'm excited for Jin to get back in the league. I think it's going to happen. A yeah. lot of teams are sniffing around him. So just in terms of a sneaky pick who we haven't seen on a lot of mocks, I think Jin uh, is going to sneak in. All right, let's jump to let's jump to center. Your favorite. I position. got mine already. Set. Go for you. Go first. Then you're. Excited. I'm going Mona. Ooh, you going Mona? Okay. And the reason <laughs> being is so. It's all about recency bias, right? When that APAC tournament got done, it was all love. We need Mona in the league. Mona's yeah. league ready. I'm getting DMs from people saying, tell me about Mona. What was he like in person? So I'm like, oh, our team's doing this. And then Warnocks took all the spotlight yep. going through eFIBA because that was oh. happening right around the exact same time. But the Warnocks wave is still being rode. The Mona one, I don't think I've heard anybody say his name you since never that had point. had a moment in – you know, the problem is because like the eFIBA stuff, like, like it was like a yeah. fire with oxygen just swallowed everything up. You yeah. Know? So I think for him – so from, from what I saw, and granted, right, they aren't playing the best of the best in the entire world. So you do yeah. have to factor that in. But the one thing, even when you're playing some of the best in your region and going toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, yeah. and you have that level of confidence that he does, the game IQ as a popping center, which I think I found out somebody had messaged me saying that center's not even his natural position, that he just like floats and jumps around from position to position. Just a 2K He guy. was playing it exactly how Dimes was playing center, mm. 2AT, getting the ball up top, calling the wraps, calling cuts off it, and orchestrating the entire game. Like. On top of that, also making insane defensive plays. I feel like if there is a prospect who can come in at the center position with the new revolution of pops now starting to be incorporated into the mix, yeah. if he can bring that same level of IQ mm -hmm. to this and yeah. the same level of confidence to the right team with this, I think like we could finally have like our star European Australian Austria, center yeah. in the international league. guy. Yeah, I, I, and, and also to to your point, if he does end up uh, on the Pistons, um, any opportunity to get Ant to play off ball more, one of the best off ball guards in yes. the world, would be awesome because yep. that is something that they their five out offense started to stagnate last year when teams just realized we are going to do everything we can to stop Ant, and we're just going to force you to kick into yeah. one of the corners. And look, Connor is a great shooter, but like. You toss it to a guy enough in the corner, eventually he's going to miss. That's yeah. just how 2K works. And in the other corner is Raymo, and he couldn't really shoot. If they can do something to get Ant off ball and into one of those corners, I mean, that would be huge. Yeah, that was my that was my deep down okay. into the trenches sleeper. At my, my one, I'm, I'm going to go oh, – this one's really tough. I'm, I'm actually going to go amazing happens. Um, I, you know, it's difficult because the center position is really tough to scout because I think across the board in Pro-Am right now – Center just doesn't really bang the way it used to, you know? Like, it's it's just not the same. Like, it used to be so easy to scout centers, right? Because who's the guy that's dominating everybody? See, I have to factor <laughs> that guy, this in. That guy's good. I'm drafting him. This year's 2K is the hardest to scout centers because of the precision dunker badge. Yeah. If there is no right stick dunking in the league, a lot of these there top centers, to there has to I be. don't think there's going to be. No? It's broken. Unless they really have it down but to where it's, it's like... stoppable. Sometimes. There's still the instances where you will wall it up perfectly as a power mm -hmm. forward and their green window is massive. Would you call it a skill gap? No. No, no skill gap. Okay. No. The, I guess the, the only skill gap would be making sure you're at the right angle to get it. But if you look at the green windows from these guys' point of view, when they have a, a high interior power forward or center walling up and it still happens, mm -hmm. now there are people who just start spam jumping and yeah, you'll end up getting it blocked. I wonder if the league caps it. I wonder if they, they say like you can't have it Hall of Fame. It's like capped. 
even then, like if it's a bronze and it's not even like really worth having, you're gonna do it when you're wide I'm open. I'm saying like maybe the cabinet gold. But that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, that could definitely. Okay. I could see it 100 being a badge that maybe they go to the league bill thing and they're like, there's no balance in this, or, or unless they want from entertainment. I mean, I watch season three, season four league bill of just poster dunks <laughs> happening 24 seven without a meter. So that's that's something I wanted to factor hey, in though with a lot 20 of this. Again, would make us all. Yeah. So that that's what I'm like looking out for. I think that's what made it really hard to scout a lot of centers this year were the ones that had that high precision dunker and were just standing dunking everybody. And, and that brings me to amazing. Like the reason I, I like him so much is because I feel like whenever I watched him, he was always just playing well. Like I don't think I've ever seen him play like a truly bad game. He always just seemed to kind of go along, does his thing, gets the boards, gets the points. Yeah. Never really turns the ball over that much. Decent defender. And I feel like with where the center class is now, he's just going to be kind of a safe pick. I, I don't think he goes first round. I think he maybe late first. I've heard the T-Wolves are interested in him. You know, I think there might be, you know, Blazers I think would be interested in him too. If he's on the board for them at 30, that would be a, a huge get for them. Uh, but I, I like Amazing this year. I think I think the center class, I'll, I'll say this to any 2K prospects who's still listening to this two hours in. Um, if you're a center... Next year's your next year's your time. Yeah. Start learning how to pop. I'm telling you, every every team in the league is going to be looking probably for poppers by the end of this season. So just keep keep working, keep playing, and and get get your pop down. Get yeah, I just it's kind of again like the the evolution with a lot of positions in the league. I think while inside centers inside centers are always going to be good, yeah. right? And if you have the right guard, you don't need a pop, right? But I just think that the more advanced offense is and 2K is starting to get. I think that a lot of these teams and the the guard, I mean, there's a lot of guards that they just can't play with a popper. Right. The, the IQ is not high enough to make passes correctly. And IQ of some centers, that's that's their, the biggest thing with a lot of centers when they're on the pop is that, oh, I'm on a shooter. I just have to pop the entire time. Yep. They don't play like insides. No. I remember Dime's strategy this entire pre-draft was Dime's goes and plays like an inside, gets his takeover, and I guess what? He Buys starts he's shooting that thing he's over he's and over and over again. <laughs> he's out there. So, so guess yeah. what? If you defend him, he's passing it to somebody. He's literally he's like, he's calling a backdoor <laughs> cut for this guy to go. It's like, hey, CP, cut. Hey, you, cut. So that's Talk just something. But we'll we'll get um even going to next year, and I think by the time that we hit our anniversary year of year ten, it is going to be a poppers only world. Finally, my dream. And I hope centers true. go back into pick and roll. I, but that's I, another story. I had a dream back in season four <laughs> that all centers would one day be poppers. And goddamn it, I'm getting what I want. <laughs> I'm getting what I want. All right, let's wrap it there. We went for two hours to to preview the draft. Obviously, we'll be back after the draft. We'll go through every single pick. Um, maybe we'll go through the rosters. Maybe we'll save that to where both yeah. home and our computers. We'll see how we feel tomorrow night after however long the draft broadcast is. But thank you guys for joining the first ever episode. First ever episode. Jeez, I can't talk. <laughs> of Virtual Courtside with Dirk and Harris. We'll be doing this throughout the season uh, and obviously throughout the uh, preseason that'll be starting up here coming up in a bit. Season starts the end of February, so we got a lot of content to make. Oh, yes, That's I'm ready. And now right, I need to stay busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need to stay sane. All right, y'all. We'll see you next episode.